The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects that you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent Unscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? The co-host with the most. Representing BK to the fullest. And you can find this here podcast on the... Oh, wait, that's weird. Uh, on the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and to leave us all the good five-star reviews. Yeah. Weird. Um, you can also find this recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time on um, the YouTube channel, excuse me, youtube.com slash theclicknation and uh, twitch.tv slash comicbookchronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, and hit the notification button so that you know when we are on the air. Yeah, Twitch is doing something really funky, and I don't like it, but that's fine. Ain't it funky? Yeah. <laughs> this is Bobby. Anyway, uh, folks, tonight we... It's Bobby <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what the hell is James saying? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just go along with it. Just, yeah, just go along with it. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, folks. We are now making old comedy references in addition to the music references. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Um... <laughs> And with that, folks, we are going to go start off with a spoiler-free recap of... Um, actually, we didn't uh, go with this, but we'll do what we've been doing. Um, uh, I guess we'll go with start with Andor first, since that's yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll start with Andor, and it's probably the easiest thing to recap this week. Pretty much. <laughs> so, um, actually, I did not get the name of the episode... Um, but it's, it's, uh, I think wasn't, wasn't it just literally episode five? 
Oh no, no, it's called the epi- the axe forgets. That's right, because because in of course they they put the title in the um as a talking point or as a right. thing in the talking. So yeah, that's what it is. Um, and yeah, there's really not much to say about it. Like I'm pretty sure there's somebody's going to be like, it's not a lot of action, blah blah. And it wasn't. It was basically, uh, as uh, Agent Seventy said before the show, pretty much the calm before the storm. But he right. didn't say that like right. that, but I did. It's quite literally, and these are the most minor, minor spoilers if you are watching this show. If you are not watching this show, then it's, you know, a little bit closer to being, you know, somewhat substantive spoiler material. But it's essentially the day before the big heist. And anytime there is a heist involved, think the Oceans movies, think... The Fast and the Furious, the day before, there's always consternation, there's always concern, there's always something that needs to be taken care of when it comes to the plan, and that's essentially what's happening in this episode of Andor. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah, we get a little, I was was going to say, we get a little bit of backstory for some of the, uh, some of the, um, the, uh, Side characters, the members. I was about to say, yeah, the members of the team that that uh, Cassian Andor has found himself teaming up with. Mm-hmm. So we get some of that. We get some character work from some of these from from some of the uh, the the members of the cohort, and um, you know, we we also see uh, we also get a little bit more backstory and and background on the uh, the tryhard from the uh, the corporate police. Yep, and his very uh, overbearing, overprotective mother. Yep, pretty much. And with any any with any type of case in this, if you've seen any heist movie, action movie before b- before the big you know before the big thing pops off, you kind of know where the pieces are going to lie in most cases. And given that this is a let's say a prequel to rogue one i don't i'm not suggesting that it's going to pop off the same way that that ended right but i feel like there's going to be uh some similarities in a case or two yeah i was about to say i i feel like i should be uh pulling um i feel like i should be pulling a sound effect from a certain m night Shyamalama ding dong movie <laughs> You know, yeah, we don't we don't need that kind of energy here, but uh, but but keep it in the pocket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, a certain a certain a certain Bruce Willis led, not mm-hmm. and, and and that's actually pretty vague because he's mm-hmm. been in a couple of M Night Shyamalan movies. This so. is true, but yeah, but if you yeah, if, but if you think about it, th- you think about the through line, you know which one. <laughs> yeah, the classic exactly, one. Exactly. Um. Exactly. So. But yeah, so yeah, that's pretty much it. There's really not much else to say about Andor this week. It was it was good. It's, it's just that it is what it was. What it was. Yeah, I mean, it it was it was a story driven episode. It was much more, um, like as I said earlier, you know, given to you know, dedicated to providing more background for the team members, and really setting the stakes for the big heist. And I'm presuming that heist is probably going to take up. At least an episode, if not two. Yeah. Like, unless they, um, which I was about to say, unless they make the episode a little bit bigger, which I think so far they've all been within the 40, 40 minute mark. Right. Or more. 
or more or less. So yeah, pretty I can't much. Imagine them pretty do much. that. So yeah, we'll see how that how that works out. We already know this thing is going to a, well. You know what? And I guess hitting upon something you said like last week, and I can't remember if you said that on the show or not. If they do, are doing the like the four three act thing, that would make sense that it, this uh, these next two would would take up the the big thing that would take right. up the heist. So right. Uh, but yeah, that's that. So we're gonna move on to talking about this week's Marvel's She Hulk. Yep, again, mild spoilers because this literally was released today. So, uh, you know, I ended up watching it, uh, you know, in bits and pieces during the day. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm going to ring the spoiler bell because guess what, uh, fanboys and fangirls? That long awaited cameo finally happened. Yeah. Spoilers Indeed. are now incoming. Indeed. And, uh, well, I guess I'll go ahead and address this now uh, before before I forget. So, looking forward to it, definitely. And it definitely paid off quite well. I Part of me is still thinking that, you know, some of the best parts of this show have been the stuff that's kind of... kind of... Uh, stuff that hit that you didn't know about. Like, you know, Madison with, a, with, a, with two ends and a Y... Right, you know, Luke Jacobson doing his uh, Edna Mode impression, um, you know, stuff like that. So, that being said, the Daredevil and the other, um, the the other cameo or the other, yeah, the the other, I guess, reveal slash cameo that of whom we see be- we've seen before, but now shows up in this, um, you know, those have been telegraphed for pretty much since the show before the show started, right. So it takes uh, takes a little bit of sting out of it, but the show the, the episode was still great. Uh, once you once you start getting into what actually happens from at the know. end of the day, my point on this is always <clears throat> going to be is that it's very entertaining, right? Yes. The show is entertaining. It's not meant to be you know high drama. It's supposed to entertain. Although there is some drama here in this episode that comes essentially at the very tail end of the episode in a scene that uh, as part of the meta textual, you know, kind of fourth wall breaking dialogue kind of felt like it would have been a tag, you know, like a, a, a tag scene or a, or a mid credit scene, mm-hmm. but it ended up because it was on the longer side playing out as the final scene of the show. And Jennifer Walters as played by Tatiana Maslany actually comes right out and says so. Right. And it was very interesting that the drama that 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 kind of uh unfolded in this episode was really reserved for those last like 5 minutes or so. Right. It was basically, you know, if you've been paying attention to some of the things that's been going on on the sides of, or you know, throughout the show, it's basically the shoe dropped. Right. So, right, not how we expected though. Not right. how we expected because we well, uh, expected something a little bit more, let's say, uh, comic booky as opposed to real life. Fair. Yeah. Well, but like I told Age of Seventy before the show, like, yeah, I, the way the show's been going, I, I kind of saw it the way it was going to be. Like, maybe there was going to be a little bit more on top of it that would have been more comic booky, but I felt like this was definitely coming. Like I said, because the whole show's been kind of playing out, go, going along this line the whole time, so. I, I would have. Expected I, mean, I didn't not necessarily to see it that way because I thought that the the uh, the, the 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 twist 
you know, I, I guess the, 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 the final jab that really, um, li- like that, that, that literally got under She-Hulk skin more than an adamantium or titanium needle would have was something I didn't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Like that final jab. Right. You know, I was surprised to hear that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's how they're doing this. You know, and, and, and have that be the, the, the triggering factor mm-hmm. of what ends up, you know, being the, the, the point of it all. Right. You know, well, what ends up being like the, 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 the goal that it seems that the, uh, the ultimate antagonist of this show seemed to have been seeking. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, it took me by surprise just a touch. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it turned out to be a far more uh, realistic, real-world right. based uh, means of attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, as I said, we were talking before the show, and uh, I was saying to Agent 70 that, to me, it still felt like there might be two different plots that might end up coming together. Like, I don't know if what happened here is a part of the over overarching mm-hmm. uh, villain plot, but you can kind of see where the both could kind of intertwine. But I'm right. not, I am not entirely sure that they, they, they connect like that. So that's whether that bears out in the, uh, come to the next episode, which there's really not much more time to do anything extra. So I would assume they would have to do something. It would have to be all amongst the same plot, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause it's like the next episode, the last one, right? If not, uh, she helped. Yeah. 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 So like, uh, yeah, because again, this is episode eight. Right. So, so there's again, one more. So unless they make this next one, kind of like a, an exercise episode, which I doubt they're going to do, you know, I, then everything that's kind of been presented so far is kind of going to come together with this next one. Right. Right. And I wonder if they're going to bring Bruce back in a tag or if it's going to be part of the actual show. That's a good question. Or even, <coughs> even if they're going to do that, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of actually wondering if they are going to do that at all. If they're just going to leave it? No, right. they're not going to just leave it. They'll address it with a to be continued, maybe. You know, with like a setup for to, for it to be followed up on somewhere else. That's what I suspect. I would like to believe that too, but I don't know. I'm at at this point. I don't know. I feel like they just kind of let that go for for elsewhere. Well, I feel like that's what they're going to do, but they'll add something in. They'll throw something in to give you a hint of where we might see it next. Maybe. I would like to believe you know so. I mean? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, you know I mean, I like, give that. us an idea because we already know what uh, is on the Marvel slate for the next, you know, two, three years, whether or not they tease it with a character, with a name, something. Right. So. Yeah, you know, but, or not, it comes out. You know, I, I'd I'd laugh if if, if it comes out that it's going to be Thunderbolts. You know, I mean, we, we have seen Stranger Things happen in this show that we did not expect to happen. That we kind of right. knew, you know, that's coming up. So, right, 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 right. So th- that is not the outside the realm of possibility. Um, but even if they did do that, and, and real quick, and we can kind of push on from there. But uh, I'm wondering, so that would, I guess, if they do that, then that could potentially mean that Jennifer would be involved with whatever that is. Possibly, that's what I think too. Right. So if that's that is the case, then not. But if they just kind of left that, it was like, no, we just leave that for something else. Then we kind of, you know, 
mm-hmm. see where that's going to go, and it, and she won't be involved. Yep, so. yep, 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 yep. That being said, this was a proper good episode. Uh, check out the Easter eggs, including one that I hope Agent 70 noticed at the bar that I still think is what I'm thinking it is, or that who somebody sh- that who shows up in, in a particular section. At the bar? Yes. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll talk afterwards. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, maybe I just, maybe I was watching it too w- without enough uh, care. I did finally see the uh, the tow truck name. Yeah. Uh, on a quick second viewing. So let's just say it's along that line, except for oh, okay. except for an actual person. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, All right. And so okay. and and I will say some sound effects, but that's outside of that. You will. I like to believe that this is the episode that people have been waiting for, and it pretty much pays off i guess in, in that right because of leapfrog i guess <laughs> because of leapfrog <laughs> ah, but also I the, knew he was coming right. it was all leapfrog all the time which is ribbit the funny thing. And ribbit yes which oh yeah yeah and i think that's the name of the episode by the way if we did not say um so yeah, thank you for saying that. But yeah, that's kind of been the whole week on on uh, the internet. Been talking about that. It's like yeah, it's a longer waited um, uh, cameo you've been waiting for. Leapfrog, <laughs> or at least exactly. for the last couple of days. I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. That was pretty yep, good. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, like I said, anything else we we'll probably get into spoilers, and I don't want to do that. But I would say check out this episode, and um, mm. yeah. Um, I yep. would like to believe you won't be disappointed, I think. Yeah, that being said... Much, much. Yeah, I was about to say, let me just do the quickie uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and oh, House of I'm the Dragon. What's that? I'm caught up on Rings of Power. So oh, okay. All right, so um, in this episode, uh, we have lots of action aftermath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that that's putting it nicely. <laughs> Lots of action aftermath. So I will actually let Roddy since I've I, I've been hogging all the uh, the Rings of Power stuff up until mm. now. I'll let Roddy Cap put his uh, his his thoughts into the pot on this. Mm-mm, go for it. Now and I'll and I'll chime in after you finish. No, I mean at the end of the day, that's really what I was going to say is that you know just because we're not trying to spoil it, obviously people like you. Uh, you know, are maybe consuming these things like chunks at a time and may not be all the way caught up before the next episode uh, tomorrow as of the date of this recording. So at the end, of, so, so, so ultimately I don't want to spoil too much, but just say that uh, the previous episode was a big, big uh, uh, battle sequence. And this one is everything that happens after, including, um, uh, something that had been teased happening to one location, but actually yes. happening in another one. Right. Um, actually, technically, since the show comes out... Flee! Flee! Run for your lives! <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I was about to say, technically, since the show comes out on Friday, and it's been, what, six days, you can kind of spoil it, but I still won't, just in case. But, nevertheless, right. um, yes, we do see... Um, we, we do see some terraforming happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and some thievery and some stupidity happening. Yes. I'm like, really? They didn't notice that this was switched at some point. Right. I, that's, I was like, wait, how do you, how do you not know? Was... And I was just trying to figure out, wait, did, 
Well, never mind. That, that part doesn't matter because it's like, okay, yes, you would think somebody, especially somebody with the, the senses as keen as an elf, would have noticed. Right, 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 right. So, but yeah, like I just haven't said, we kind of we, we kind of get some uh, some aftermath. Stuff. I've been, I will say the um, I've been enjoying the show. Um, there was one nagging part of me when I first started watching it last week, in that like, who the hell? Is, I this name the. This name sounds familiar. I'm supposed to know this name. And, and I'll say it, it's Isildur. Um, Isildur! Like, right. And I'm just like, wait, I know this name from the other. He's like, he is some somebody of, of note. And Get into and, the fire! No. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, and, and then I was like, I was watching the Easter egg video. I was like, oh, right. This clown, <laughs> like this dude, and it all makes sense too because it's like okay, yeah. you know, at least if you if you've seen the Lord of the Rings movie and know that where that character ends, you know, happens to that character, and you see this, it all makes plenty of sense. But again, in a lot of characters, I think the only character that kind of does and slightly doesn't make sense at this point is Galadriel for some reason. Like it does, but it's like they they're kind of playing a little loose with her character a little bit. I think. Yeah, because it's almost like there's a before and after. Right, and I get it. Like the, ver- the to get to to get the character the way she was, she had to come from somewhere, and so I got that. That's why I was like, okay, it makes some sense. We definitely other get we get another reveal from a couple of episodes back um, about. I don't know if it's a B plot or the the A plot of this, but let's just say there is a a substance that 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 came into play in a couple of the last couple of episodes. Yep. That um, that our folks are after. Right and as and as much as I say it, like yeah, this whole thing is gonna just gonna be the 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 chase for that. That and also, you know how you know how, you know what what ends up happening to Durin's people, you know, right. like establishing how you know how all that stuff happens. Right, right, right. So, all right, cool. I'm glad that you're caught up. Yeah, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it. You know, oh, yeah. enjoyed the ride. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, especially that I know last episode. People, I know some people complain that it was a little on the boring side. I'm like, no, I didn't really like. Maybe I think the first episode was a little dry, but I think for the most part, it's been pretty fun. I wouldn't even say that. Like, I, you know, you recognize that, you know, even shows like this kind of need some setup. Like sometimes it takes whole seasons to kind of get the mm-hmm. proper, a proper setup, but they figure you kind of know enough about this uh, to to kind of be able to jump in. If you are, you know, familiar with the property, you know, right. So you don't necessarily need as much set up as you would for something that's like a brand new uh, property or something. Mm-hmm. So that being said, also uh, while I'm here, uh, before we move on, shout out to Benji Games Two, uh, who's in the chat and who asks uh, how we're doing today. We're doing all right. Thank you, appreciate it for coming through. Yes, thank you for joining. Hanging in there. That's the best I can say. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we just finished talking about the Rings of Power uh, episode. What was that? Episode 6, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. I think so. Yeah, episode 6. Yeah. So, and we're going to get into Agent 70's quick recap of House of the Dragon, which I think is episode 7. Yes. Yeah, it's one ahead, right? So, bottom line here is that the Targaryen family are definitely making moves to shore up their power and there are people dying left and right. There's incest flowing aplenty and um, it is, you know, this was actually a pretty good episode, but for 
one of the shows, you know, and I, and I and I say Game of Thrones as a whole, one of the show's most nagging problems. And I know I saw bits and pieces of this uh, being remarked on on social media is that there was a, an extended scene that seemed to be very dark and people had just real issues following what was going on because it was very poorly lit. And obviously they were, you know, filming things in natural light and the natural light had basically, you know, come down into the, you know, beyond the twilight. And so, you know, the lighting was just really dim and it was a little hard to follow. You had to really adjust your eyes. So, you know, I know that there are uh, social media posts out there that talk about, oh, you know, uh, like, like I, I forget. Uh, I forget the name of the episode, but everyone knows what I'm talking about from the uh, the, the first run of uh, Game of Thrones that where everyone was complaining about the darkness and the dimness of the lighting. And uh, there are certain settings that you can set your TV to, your the, the video uh, settings of your television to, so that it's easier to to watch. I don't I'm I'm hundred percent sure someone's probably put that together for to watch this episode, episode seven of House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. But bottom line here, is that this episode is definitely a turning point in the su- in this season. This is probably one of the most crucial episodes that you have to watch. So try not to get spoiled on this. If you find yourself having to rewatch it, I think you should because there is a lot happening here. There's, like I said, people dying, incest aplenty, and, uh, you know, moves being made to shore up power. So... If you need to get things straight, obviously, and if you don't have time to rewatch it, obviously there are plenty of articles online that will help you figure things out. But if you do have the time, I would suggest you go back and rewatch it so that you can kind of figure out figure out where pieces have moved on the chessboard and who, you know which pieces have been taken off the board. Right. So basically, you're saying this peak, uh, peak Game of Thrones is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. This is probably like the most pivotal episode that they've had so far. Mm. And I will add that, like, yeah, there are articles out there. There are also like basically Easter egg videos that that will run through a lot of that stuff. Uh, then you can definitely check it out wherever you know if you're on certain sites or on right. YouTube that that'll have that stuff if you kind of need that. So cool, cool. Um, and basically, you, you're basically saying that they missed uh, they missed out on the golden hour. You would think that's a rookie mistake for for filmmaking, but I guess maybe that was intentional. I think it was intentional. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Mm-hmm. All right then. Well, we're gonna go into the books of the. Oh wait, no, that's it. We're gonna go into the books of the week, starting off with um, blah, 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 the um, uh, AXE tie-ins. That we have this week, starting with Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. That's right. I should have waited for that. Um, AXE X Men number one. AXE X Men number one is written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Francesco Mobili, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is um, a story that centers upon the ragtag team of Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals that are making their way through the progenitor. But as the cover basically lets everyone know, this is very much a Jean Grey-centric story. And 
if you are familiar with the basic trope of these tie-in issues, the main character of the story is the main character that's set to be judged by the progenitor. And it's a very interesting path down, walk down the path of memory lane for Jean Grey. You know, and her trying to justify herself and what her, what she's done in order to uh, pass or fail. Right. Some someone might say this is appropriate. Um. Previously on this guy. So yeah. Where's that from? Uh, last week's She Hulk. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was about to say I'm like that kind of the voice sounds familiar, but the reference doesn't. You know. Yeah, right. Right. So, yeah. So, so here was, I was thinking when I was reading this, I was like, I could have sworn, and I thought it was telling this uh, to Agent 70 uh, prior to the show. Um, I thought Gene had already been judged, but apparently I was thinking about Cyclops, mm-hmm. who did mention her in his judging. And that right. got actually got referenced in this book, uh, along with a few other things uh, going on. So, that was kind of cool. But other than that, like it, like uh, I just only said, I was like, yeah, it, it's pretty much her testing and judgment uh, through all of this. Um, and if you think you know how it goes, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. <laughs> right. And obviously, Kieran Gillen has done uh, 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 an interesting job. I don't want to say a good job, but an interesting <laughs> job of playing with our expectations with some of these characters. Mm-hmm. I think you're still salty about the the cap judgment. Of course. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> you know, like, I wonder if they left uh, uh, the, the judgment of some of the characters that were in the tie-in issues that were not written by Kieran Gillen up to those writers, or if Kieran Gillen had, like, um, you know, as, as, the, as the lead writer of the event, a list of characters that were going to pass or fail. Yeah, I kind of wondering about that. And even in that, if it's like a group effort or it's just Kieran Gillen, I would love to know the thought processes behind the judgments. Right, right. You know, it, it's almost like, well, he, these are the characters that we're going to highlight as part of the tie-ins. Right. This is where I think their judgments are going to go. What do you think of that? You know, like <laughs> as as like the, the, the lead kind of collaborator on right. the event. And then having his other collaborators come in and say, all right, so this is how I would tell that story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that's how that actually shook uh, shook out. I feel like that's probably the way it happens. But if we ever talk to Kieran Gillen in, in, in any fashion or I haven't forbid have him on the show, not have him forbid, but have him on the show, but I know he's busy right I'll now. Try to, I'll try to talk to him this weekend at New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we'll talk about uh, New York Comic Con in, uh, in, uh, in a while, actually, since that is upon us. Yep. Um, Benji Games All 2 right. says uh, he only picked the, or they, excuse me, only picked up three books and uh, Earth Divers, TMNT, and Night of the Ghouls. We will talk about one of those books um, in a while. Yep. So n- the next book we are going to talk about right now, though, is uh, AXE Star Fox number one. So AXE Star Fox number one is also written by Kieran Gillen with art by Danielle DiNicolo, colors by Frank Williams. And letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this issue is, I think, the first time we are really getting to see. And, and I know that Roddy Cap mentioned this on a previous episode of our show. The true MCUification of one Eros of Titan, aka Star Fox. Like it is, like it is so 
evident. Yes. <laughs> evident is the word to use here. It is so evident that the retooling of the look of Star Fox to better resemble the actor that is portraying Star Fox in the MCU is much more evident here than it was in the Judgment Day, like the main issues of Judgment Day where he was, you know, where, where he played a role. Because this is a Star Fox-centric issue, obviously. So, you know, we get to see Star Fox in action, running around, doing as much as he can, you know, in lieu of trying to, um, you know, uh, ensorcel the entirety of Earth with his love power. So he's trying to do whatever he can uh, otherwise to try to help. And we find out, you know, we get a little bit of background in terms of uh, and I appreciated this, why Star Fox is who he is, how he came to be, as well as how he's also alive. Even though we we kind of understood it, it was very much laid bare here. Like how uh, that, um, oh, what was that event called? Wait, which one? Where, where, where he basically bites the, bites the bullet because they're bringing um, uh, Thanos back. Yeah, um, you know what I'm talking about. I do it was know what a Guardian. Like, it was basically, like a cosmic. It was like right, a little mini was, cosmic event. Right. It was Guardian Civil Surfer because that's what kicked off before. Uh, that's what kicked off Civil Surfer Black, and I can't remember if there was an event name or what what it's called actually. Right. So 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 you know, folks, we apologize. We read a lot of comics, mm-hmm. so it's hard to remember some of these things sometimes. But at the end of the day, we get to you know we we, we get some of those blanks filled in for us through the storytelling and i appreciate that i do you know i really i really like that uh we were given that information we also get a change in a change in the hierarchy of the eternals which obviously had just changed recently but now we find that uh star fox isn't exactly leadership material which you feel about the body cat uh, carry on from there. Yeah, I was about to say, which if you know anything about the character, you pretty much knew, know that already. <laughs> but it's nice to know that he admitted to it. Right. Uh, so, because classically, yeah, this character you know, has not. Some would say it's a return to form of the leadership of the Eternals, as what bore, uh, bore out here. Because mm-hmm. even because he was having a chat with a, with another character whom I'm almost certain we haven't seen throughout this whole thing, uh, and you know their place within this event and within the the Eternals, uh, right? Kind of kind of take place. So, but yeah, and it like Agent Seventy said, it is good that uh, that uh, some things from the past kind of uh, got brought up uh, for Star Fox because, like I said, unless you were reading the Avengers uh, run where he comes in and, and plays this part in, yeah, modern readers wouldn't probably know um, who this character is at all outside of the the, the recent MCU vacation or the you know the, the, the recent MCU uh, um, appearance entrance, yeah. yeah. So there is that. And I'm not sure where we were. I'm going, don't know where we're going to see that character. I, I'm going to assume Eternals 2 is probably the next place we're going to see that character in MCU anyway, whenever that is. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, this is um, uh, uh, it's a pretty decent tie in if you are interested in 
I guess they're part of the Eternals that uh, that has had some Avengers leaning uh, in it. But outside of that, like you know, you can kind of, uh, I guess, take it or leave it with the, the main book if you're paying any attention to the the main uh, the main event. You know. So that being said, uh, we can move on. And actually, um, I'm slightly going to call an audible here because I know what we booked, we said we were going to go to next, but I'm thinking it's probably good to go ahead and tie up that last, um, that last tie-in book, which kind of isn't a tie-in, but kind of is a tie-in because it's not like it's like direct. Oh, you mean X-Men Red number seven? Correct. Sure, I'll hit that real quick, and it'll be very, you know, it'll go very quickly because yeah. ultimately, uh, X Men Red number seven is written by Al Ewing, art is by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, and Proto Bunkers Fair C. Fuentes Sujo, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer, or Mar, I'm sorry. Hmm. And um, this story is, you know, kind of tells the arc that is being told on Arako. And. It's important because there are some potentially lasting effects that come out of uh, this uh, Arako story for the X-Men, specifically the X-Men that were on Mars, now Arako. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely a sea change in terms of the the characters that are uh, primarily, that, that have been primarily highlighted as part of the Arako story. And at the end of this issue, we also get, um, you know, some, some follow up on the Abigail brand stuff that's been kind of percolating and, and, and slowly simmering through the pages of a bunch of X-Men books, but specifically X-Men red since, um, the keep has, you know, and, and, and a lot of the, 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 the galactic stuff has started to really, um, uh, come to the forefront as the result of the creation uh, or oh, the the uh, uh, the colonization, the the takeover of Mars. So um, that that is teased at the end of this issue. But this is an important issue if you really want to see what Al Ewing uh, probably is going to where in what direction Al Ewing is probably taking a bunch of these characters who. You know, we've seen a bunch of them because of Ten of Swords, but we don't have the the best connection with. We just don't. You know, granted, it may be because we just read a lot of comics and we're jaded and we're getting too old for this shit. So we don't necessarily have that kind of connection with these Arako characters. Maybe the 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 the, the young bloods out there who are um, reading this and and not the the characters from Rob Liefeld's comic, but maybe the the young folks out there who are reading this stuff for the first time may may find themselves much more attached to these Arako characters. But for us, the old heads, it's a little bit harder to, you know, to to generate that level of attachment. I'd say that level of engagement with these characters. So, uh, bottom line is this is probably a very important book to read for fans of the X-Men but not necessarily for people who want to catch up with what's going on with the Judgment Day, with the AXE Judgment Day crossover. Right. I can safely say from 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 checking out online anecdotally, yeah, there are some people who, who are taken taken uh, with some of the Iraqan, Iraqans. Yeah. yeah. They're new so, characters and if they're, certain. you know, if they're new to 
them, they may be the first set of new characters that they've been introduced to in, in a while or ever as right. part of being a, a comic book fan. Right. And the only thing I'll say before we move on is that, you know, <clears throat> Mag- Magneto, and I guess this is a slight spoiler, but, you know, if you've been keeping up, you kind of know, Magneto went out cinematically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, and also, I guess, I guess I will say is like you were talking about the Abigail Brand stuff. Like, yeah, that stuff's been stewing since Empire. Yep. So, and which was also Al Ewing, so that it makes a lot of sense. So he's, uh, you know, this and another book this week where he's playing with his toys. So yes, exactly. So that being said, though, we can push on to the last book we'll talk about before rapid fire, which is the new number one Spider-Man number one, adjectiveless Spider-Man number one at that. Right, and we're kind of going a little out of order here this week, folks, because in the technical reading order of the uh, the lead up to the spider the, the the end of the Spider Verse story, which has been teased as starting off in this Spider Man number one, you should read Edge of the Spider Verse number five. Yep. But we're going to talk about it slightly out of order. Spider Man number one is written by Dan Slott with pencils by Mark Bagley, very effective inks by John Dell. I have to tell you, the inking on this book is sharp because I have not seen Bagley's pencils look this tight in a long time. I know, yeah. I no, know I'd agree. that I'd Mark agree. Bagley is one of uh, Tim Dog 98's favorite artists. <laughs> and for me, I know it's going to be shots fired. Yes, that is a new uh, uh, sound effect, folks, for more shots fired. And, um, oh, let me finish the credits. Mm-hmm. Colors are by Edgar Delgado and letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. I just said that this, that this issue does kick off the end of the Spider-Verse storyline. And I will let Roddy Cat take it from there because I do have a question for him that we literally just talked about. Or the end of the Spider-Verse, that is. Okay. Um, that we talked about just before we started. Okay, sure. So the the basic structure of this, and yeah, and I will agree with uh, Age of Seventy about the art because it is pretty clean with the with the um, with the. It's ink. sharp, like yeah. it's you know, like I have not seen Bagley's art look this sharp in a long time, and it's definitely the inker. Yeah. So so yeah so so shout outs to uh, John Dale, um, but yeah, so without giving away too much, we it is definitely um, in the, the current timeline, the West Street is not dealing with none of that other stuff uh, with the, the, the baggage that we're not getting from um, <laughs> from from, the, from Amazing is dealing right. with none of that, but we get, um, <clears throat> but we get the, we, well, we get that it's set in that timeline right, that's what I'm saying, all yeah. of the baggage that comes from the Amazing books it continues over right. into this well, but what I'm saying is, like, the stuff that we really want to know from Amazing, none of that comes out here. No, 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 no. But, and it, and it makes sense, because ha- once you once you read about it, and as Agent 70 said, you know, we, we're knee-deep into the uh, end of the Spider-Verse stuff come with this issue, because we see Peter going along his day, kind of doing, th- uh, doing his thing, and then halfway in, it pretty much crashes the, into uh, the, the, the Spider-Verse stuff in a way that, you know... It was meant to happen, I guess. So, because even because even I was thinking about it, it was like I knew this was coming, and I knew this was you know slots killing off the uh, Spider Verse stuff. But it was like reading this it was like okay, this seems to be going along all nice and natural like a Spider Book would, you know, un- until the, the the shoe drop, and then the shoe drop, and it was the Spider Verse stuff. Right. 
So, um, like I said, there's really not much else to say without say without like spoiling this. But I will say that I enjoyed reading this because mm-hmm. Slot. I, I feel like Slot takes a lot of joy in the Spidey, and I think even if you ch- check him out online, he he's even uh, intimated as much uh, coming into this book. Uh, right. And of course, he thinks some things did some things that uh, that that are reminiscent of, of other versions of Spidey. Uh, in, including the theme song, I will spoil that one. So, which oh, one, I love that part. That was so great. I, I love myself that. singing that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he did I the thing. I found myself singing that because, uh, folks, you know, and, <clears> and these are just mild spoilers. The the uh, the OG theme song from the mm-hmm. '60s Spider-Man is iconic. Yes, and the the words that Slot composes to go along with that music really really fit. And yes. I just got a real kick out of it. As soon mm-hmm. as I read it, I started singing it. That's the funniest mm-hmm. part. Exactly. Which I'm sure that was that was the that, that was how that, that was, was supposed the intent. to go. Right, exactly. exactly. That, was, that was clearly the intent on Slot's part. So and effectively happened. So um then that part actually made me think about it was like, well, there is a, a, a um there is a spider person in the universe now that we've met in the last uh, Edge of Spider-Verse book, not, uh, not issue five, that I am looking forward to uh, uh, our Peter meeting <laughs> based off that song. <laughs> right, right, right. So right, right. I'll put it that way. But other than that, like I said, we get, the, we get like I said, we go ahead along into Spider-Verse stuff. The only thing I said, I guess, are we still going to talk about Edge, I guess? Since we, since, yeah, you did say you had a Okay. Um, so, well, I'll say, I'll say what I was about to say was that because the only thing I was going to say outside of that was like, man, they were just frivolous with the uh, with the with the identities. Uh, in yeah, the- yeah, that I noticed that in this issue as well as like going maskless. Yeah, like this and the Captain America issue this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, obviously, it's one thing. One thing is very different from the other because Steve Rogers is a public figure. Right. Right. Much like Jennifer Walters is in the uh, the MCU now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, there are surveillance cameras. Mm-hmm. It's the MCUification you know? of Spidey. <laughs> I... <laughs> Just come up with a reason to take off the mask, you know? Right. It's like okay, that's weird. Like not no webbing, no nothing, no bag man or something. Like come on, you gotta you know, throw throw us a bone here. Like you're just all willy nilly with the thing. Like oh, all yep, right, I and people are calling each other by their names. It's like dude, I mean, I granted you may you might be able to pick their identities from that, but it's like you know somebody. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody yeah, keep pretty it much, tight. Pretty much. Uh, what 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 I was referring to earlier when we started the discussion on this book okay. was that I had asked Roddy Cat whether or not. Having now read this issue, the beginning oh. of the event to end the Spider-Verse, um, whether or not he would actually go back and read the entirety of at least the first Spider-Verse story. not Maybe not the Spider-Geddon story, but definitely the first Spider-Verse story mm-hmm. and, and, and read that. And I'll let, I'll let him uh, talk more about that. Yeah, and uh, to to my answer to to eight to seven, it was like, yeah, I I am still um I'm still apt to go back and read that, you know, when when I can still a moment because it's still a, a that is a fairly that is a fairly thick read, uh, even even if even if I just stick to the uh, direct stuff, you know, right? Like it's just about the first stuff. I, I'm pretty sure I've read some of that because obviously Spider Gwen came out of it, so I did read some of that just to see who were who was coming into play, um, right. and uh, there was a 
particular point that came out in this issue that Agent 70 um, and I was talking about prior to this um, who shows somebody that shows up that has to do with that uh, original run and yeah I would definitely still read it uh, based off that because I knew about that person and their connection to two things from that at the very least like I have bit, bits and pieces of that run but I just didn't read the whole thing you know all, all together so like I said bits and pieces of it kind of came out whether by osmosis over me reading something because I'm like we had been talking about this show has been around for a while so we've definitely talked about Spider-Verse during the course right. of this, uh, uh, this podcast right I want to say it was probably it was most likely myself and at Tim Dog 98 possibly yes you know, but, more like likely that. than not. I, I doubt that a PC and underscore dirt had too much to say about it. But you know what? If we go back into the archives, I may be proven wrong. Eh, maybe. Who's to say? And like I said, I know, I know I was kind of reading Spidey at the time. It's just that, you know, when this event happened, you know, sometimes events kind of coming into the books, whether it's direct or not, you know, tends to. Right. Sometimes it's think, just a lot. Right. You know? Sometimes keep you on the book or, or not keep you on the book, depending on the event and uh you know, your interest in the event, I guess. Exactly. All right. So yeah. I guess now we can get, now that we are done with that, we're going to spin up the minigun. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Rapid fire, folks. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. So uh, let me run through my books. Broadcat and I actually have a lot of books in common this week. So mm-hmm. rapid fire should uh cover uh everything fairly quickly first up is batman number 128 with uh it's written by chip zadarsky with art by jorge jimenez colors by tomo mori and letters by clayton cowell so this is chip zadarsky's version of uh the tower of babel storyline where uh something batman has concocted is basically taking himself out as well as the justice league big spoilers right there so that's the crux of the story. How it happens is interesting, but ultimately, you know, the where this story ends up, at least this issue ends up, uh, still leaves a lot of questions left to be answered. So, you know, I'll keep sticking with it, but I feel like this is just a rehashing of that Tower of Babel story. If I recall correctly, that's the story in which uh, Batman came up with a way to defeat the Justice League. You know, like ways to defeat the Justice League uh, uh, as a contingency plans. Right. And Next, uh, and people uh, got a hold of it. Yeah. The right. Of it. Next up is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number five. I believe Roddy Cat also read this. Mm-hmm. It's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, former guests of the Comic Book Chronicles. Art by Carmen Carnero and letters, uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. And letters by our favorite lettering Python, VC's Joe Caramagna. So Cap teaming up with Bucky and uh, his erstwhile nemesis throughout the first four issues of this book team up to take on uh, the Outer Circle, and you know the uh, at least one part of the uh the, the the power elite, the bad guys that have been um, kind of lurking in the background in this uh, run of Captain America. And so we get some interesting um, callbacks to some MCU stuff, you know, just a little bit, you know, uh, taking a, taking a, 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 some skydiving, uh, but uh, basically doing a halo jump, you know, high altitude, low opening stuff, 
you know, uh, if you're not familiar with that particular military acronym. Uh, but ultimately, we have a cliffhanger in this issue that what I told Rydicat is a clear setup for the Cold War Captain America storyline that's be that that's being announced that was announced today at New York Comic Con. So I will let Rydicat carry carry on from there. Right, and that we had talked about on the show before because we knew it was coming. Um, right, yeah. I mean, it was it was announced before New York Comic Con, but now right. there's more details as of the announcement today. Right. So the only thing I'm going to add to this is that, um, as I say in my notes, and I think Agent Seventy will appreciate this. Um, well, I was going to mention something about that, 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 uh, the vehicle that they were in at the beginning of it. Cause that just reminded me of an old Quinjet. I'm sitting here like, that's, that's what you're doing, huh? (laughs) But also, so for, that's what I thought it was. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, just call it a Quinjet. You don't have to read, you know, give it a, this is not the Blackbird. You got to do that. Um, but anyway, like I said, the, 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 foes they were fighting or the particular foes uh remind me including in the name um remind me of uh metal gear solid characters basically and even the name of the group is sounds like a metal gear solid characters so i would really love to know uh from from the 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 the, the writers whether that was an inspiration for this or and for the event the upcoming event or not because it just seems a little too um likely of that case but as I was going to say, I apologize. That, okay. I was about to say, just hold that thought. I apologize mm-hmm. for calling them the Power Elite. That was from the previous run on Captain America. I know I've been saying it, but it feels like um, this all started to blend together. Yeah, this is that outer circle group, right? I mean, maybe there's similar maybe, intentions. I'm sorry. Similar intentions. Um, kind of. But at the end of the day, you know, this is something, you know, the the power elite was with, with the, you know, when Mephisto was running around, um, you know, with the Avengers and and Captain in, and in Captain America. So I apologize, folks. I've been using that interchangeably for a couple of issues now talking about Captain America. And that was my my bad. So this is what we need our fact checkers for, folks. And sometimes it's just something that uh, needs to be Googled. So I apologize. Uh, carry on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Not big. Like I said, the last thing I was just going to say, and like I said, I would just read this directly from my notes. Uh, uh, Bucky's not throwing away his shot. Oh, no. <laughs> you could take that as, as, as figuratively or as literally as you choose, folks, if you right. really your beat this. So, carry on. Yeah. Young, scrappy, and hungry, folks. Anyway. <laughs> not so up, young, but definitely the, the other two. What's that? I said, not so young, but definitely the other two. Right. Next up is Edge of the Spider-Verse number five of five. This is our last Edge of the Spider-Verse uh, one-shot. Uh, these are these have been anthology books, and they also serve to be... They have served in the past, these Spider-Verse um, anthology issues, to introduce characters for the first time. And we do have the introduction of a few characters in this issue. The first is Hunter Spider. It's written by Dan Slott uh, and J.M.D. Mateus, with art by Bob McLeod, colors by Jim Campbell. Uh, the second story is Web Weaver, written by Steve Fox, with art by Kay Zama and colors by Brian Reber. 
Silly Spider is a short story written by Phil Lord with art by David Lopez and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna on the entire book and Chris Eliopoulos of uh, VC. So, as I said, uh, you know, these are intros for various new-ish Spider-Verse type characters. You know, I'm not going to spoil everything, although the name of the first one, Hunter Spider, kind of spoils who that particular spider avatar, you know, spider person is. Um, the new character that was, t that was kind of hyped up for this issue was web weaver as the first gay Spider-Man. So, uh, whether or not that results in increased sales and increased demand for this book, we'll see. But bottom line here is this is the last of the edge of the Spider-Verse books. And this basically leads directly into Spider-Man number one. That was also out this week. Anything else to add? Um, yeah, well, yeah, it looks at not to spoil anything, but that, that the second character, that uh, uh, the gay one, has a uh, has I like how I kind of like how they did that because one is not Peter Parker getting the powers, two, uh, this character, um, as I guess, as, as we said prior to the show, yeah, it is kind of stereotypical in, in the yeah. in the redition of, of the character. Uh, but also the interesting thing about it is that, um, it has, they have, excuse me, a relationship or had a relationship and possible new relationship with, in a black cat like fashion with a, a sibling of another spider character. And I was like, okay, that was, that was a pretty good switch up of things. I, I will say, mm -hmm. um, that last story, I'm not, I'm not sure what to say about that one. Cause that one's kind of. I was weird. weird. I kind of yes. flipped through that. Like, uh, I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly. Exactly. I, and I felt the exact same way about that. So I just wanted to, at the very least address that. Hunter Spider, yes, yeah, kind of was. Definitely some shades of um, a, a classic, uh, at least part of, as we said, the proprietor show, um, knowing the character that is involved. Uh, there is definitely shades and homages to... Um, uh, a pretty the, famous storyline. Yeah, a pretty famous Spider-Man storyline involving that character or, or a version of right. that character. So right. that's all I have to say. No, no, that's plenty. That is plenty. All right. Thank you for that. Next up is Hulk. Number nine is written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Otley inks by Cliff Rathburn colors by Marta Gracia and Matt Hollingsworth and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So in the wake of the, uh, the Thor Hulk crossover, the Hulk is now off on his own. I think Roddy Cat would appreciate how this story has set up because it is very reminiscent of Star Trek and what ha what Banner has done to kind of alleviate some of the stresses that have befallen him. There is the pseudo return of a longtime Hulk supporting character as well as a setup that is – not unlike Planet Hulk, but with very big twists to it. So when I initially read it, I was like, oh, this is going to be Kate's version of Planet Hulk. And it is and it isn't. So we'll see where it goes from here. I am just not a fan of the Ryan Oddly artwork. I know some people are, especially on, among our esteemed panel. But bottom line here is... You know, it'd be, it's still interesting to see where Kate is going with this Hulk story. I think that Thor um, crossover, that Banner of War crossover was basically filler. 
it didn't really do much of anything to me. Um, you know, and and bottom line is, you know, we have an idea now of what happened to set off um, the Hulk's. You know, and, and I guess I guess what was revealed as part of Banner of War was what the events that created the the impetus for Bruce Banner wanting to leave Earth. You know, we you know we we, we get filled in on that, and we get some more background on that in this issue. So um, that is uh, just part of this new story arc. All right. Next up is another book I believe Roddy Cat and I read in common, and it's the last book I have on my list. That is Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number five of five. This is the last issue in this little miniseries. It's written by Tarun Grunbeck, with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Jesus Bertov, and... Uh, Eric Arseniega, I'm fixing Roddy Cat's typographical errors with these names because they're names I know. Um, and uh, letters are by VCs Joe Sabino. This was a pretty entertaining issue. This was probably the most Thor-like story I've read in a long time. There's plenty of Asgard action. There's, you know, other pantheons of gods involved here. It's just a big melee. There's plenty of things going on that uh, bring some of the dangling plot threads from the first four issues of this book, of this miniseries, forward to a semi-satisfying conclusion in this issue. The big bads in this book... One of them is well known to us and is running around in the pages of the Punisher right now. The other one is a little more, let's say a lot more obscure because when you think of the realm that this character runs around in, you kind of think of nightmare, but having this character be, um, the, the, the character that is, you know, part of the, the plot, um, you know, to, 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 uh, to do ill upon Asgard at the behest of the Enchantress, then uh, it, it kind of changes things up just a touch, changes in expectations to boot. I would say that this issue, th this miniseries is semi, is actually pretty important when it comes to tying back into the regular Thor run, because they actually tease it at the end of the book that we're going to have more interactions based off of you know the developments of the character the developments that the characters that are in this book undergo in the regular thor book so i'll let from that i will let roddy cat fill in uh his thoughts so yeah it it seems as uh agent 70 said like yeah this is definitely going back into the, the thor book as it said and i'm kind of curious whether the stuff that kind of feels like a not necessarily a loose end, but they definitely set this up to be something that's just going to come up at some point. Like the stuff with the Enchantress, because she's still kind of running around. This new right. uh, Dream Queen person, I guess, is still uh, 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 still kind of around. Yeah, I don't think that's a new character, but it's it? just okay. a more obscure character because the the I believe the character that we're used to dealing with in that realm is Nightmare. Right, that's correct. Yeah. And to have right and to have this other character and I'm going to you know I'll let you keep talking while I double check um uh this dream queen uh character's origin. 
So the only other thing I the, the left to say is that, like, yeah, if you're a fan of... It has been definitely a good uh, Thor story, even if you... I guess even if there are some things uh, that come up in here that you're not familiar with, I, I will say. Um, but if you are reading Thor, I guess, and it's probably current Thor, uh, uh, it's going to come back into it and probably play more prominently, as uh, Agent 70 said. <laughs> the, 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 there's a boat that shows up, and I was like, and the first thing I thought was, there's no goats. No, no, Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder are not there because <laughs> in the comics they pull the chariot. Exactly. <laughs> but like I said, the but when they when the when the part came when there was a, a boat involved, I was like, okay, we we got another MCU thing going on here, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which kind of right. still was, except for like I said, minus the ghost. Right. You know what? what? Was that? Do you want to know the first appearance of the Dream Queen? Lay it on me. The Dream Queen is the daughter of Nightmare because he basically had unwanted sexual relations with the succubus. Okay, right? Make, makes total sense then. The first appearance of Dream Queen is in Alpha Flight number 56 from November 1987. The writer wow. was Bill Mantlo and the artist was Jim Lee. So this was a deep cut, basically. <laughs> yeah, it was a deep. Uh, like I knew I recognized the character. It was just a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Deep, that, deep I, cut. Yeah, that was, some would say that's the deep one of the deepest of cuts <laughs> in this. In, in this, uh, I mean, if, if you know, like considering that both myself and Roddy Cat have been reading Marvel comics and comics in general for a long time, we're looking at this like, is this a new character? Right. <laughs> but it's also it's since you said it's Alpha Flight, and I don't know where this character has been since then. Like, I don't know if Agent Seventy has been reading Alpha Flight all that much since then, but I know I haven't, and I'm almost fairly right. certain. Not too many people on the, the rest of the panel has either. I, I feel relatively confident. Enough. Maybe Tim, but I, I mean, you know, I, I I went back and picked up a couple of those uh, Jim Lee issues just for the art. Right. You know, this is his stuff pre X Men or mm. pre Punisher War Journal, actually. Right. So you know, this is you know his first uh, ever interior book interior work at Marvel uh, was on Alpha Flight. So oh, okay. interestingly. Uh, it looks like most of uh, the Marvel database on fandom, the mo- most of the entry on the Dream Queen has um, information from Alpha Flight appearances as well as some stuff from Fear itself. And there would be the other reason. <laughs> right. Because right. right. I remember right. we talked about Fear itself and we, we I don't think there was many... Well, that might have been one fan of Fear Itself at the time. Don't get me wrong. Love uh, Matt Fraction, but I, I don't right. think we kind of went through that one all that well. Yeah, we kind of skimmed that one, folks. Yeah. All right, and that's it for my rapid fire. Moving on to Roddy Cat. All right, so we first start off with... Um, actually, I was going to say, um, going back to the Hulk book real quick. So I was reading the Hulk book uh, at the start. Um, so I do recognize the Star Trek, um, the the reference referentials of, of that. But when Banner War came up, I kind of leaped off of it. Oh, I, no, I, I, but, I, like, I, this, I mean, specifically this issue, you will okay. definitely see the parallels. Gotcha. Like once you flip through, you'll be like, oh, I completely see it. Right. It's so okay. obvious. So gotcha. OK, well, I will, I will definitely check it out then. 
Uh, first book for me, that being said, Ant-Man, number four of four, actually written by, um, uh, I, I, I would love to say a friend of the show, but that's not true, but uh, who we've been talking about in this particular episode, Al Ewing, uh, with art by Tom Riley, colors by Jody Belair, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, um, uh, I'm just going to say one, it starts off with an info dump or two page info dump, some of which, uh, let's say hasn't happened quite quote unquote yet. Maybe. Um, but it does references, uh, a couple of books, which I don't remember reading that Al Ewing early. Uh, well, I don't want to say early in his career, early in my coming across him did not read and i'm not sure why i didn't because it was this is it was dealing with a group that i that i do read uh that being the avengers so if you remember um um oh shoot the uh the event um hold on i'm going to pull it up here real quick i'm so sorry uh yeah man yeah man Oh, Ultron Forever. If you remember that uh, little mini event, which I believe it was like th- uh, three one shots, uh, if I'm from what I've read. So it has to do with uh, that in particular, which again, Al Ewing wrote. So again, <laughs> he's playing with his toys. And uh, we get to um, we get to see the origin story of this future Ant Man. And the mention that, uh, and the, 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 his mention, excuse me, his mission that has to do with this Ultron that shows up, uh, in this book, uh, or in, in this particular issue. And, uh, it wraps up nice and neat. And I feel like it could have gone one more issue. Um, but, uh, they pretty much wrap it all nice and neat. And you also get to see, um, all the the previous issues kind of get tied together, um, outside of the 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 initial um, um, the issues themselves, because like I said, there's a nice little throughput in there that uh, kind of ties it all together. Like I said, with why um, this new Ant Man was doing what he uh, what he's doing, and the fact that he was gathering, gathering these other Ant Man up. So, it, like I said, it's a, it was a fun read, uh, but like I said, over too quick. But like I said, Al Ewing's coming back with a Wasp book that I uh, that I hoped is going to be uh, equally entertaining. I believe in January. So, which may or may not—I don't think it's going to have anything to do with uh, this. But we'll see. This, these are like six, uh, celebration issues, so uh, there is there is that. It was a good job. Love Al Ewing's work. Um, Next book is Magic the Gathering number 19. Um, excuse me. Is I trying to get this uh, covers together? There we go. Written by Jed McKay. Um, illustrations by Iguara, Jacques uh, Salomon, Breno Tamura. Uh, colors by Adriana Consani, Breno Tamura. And uh, Gloria, that is a typo. Wow. Um, Gloria Martinelli and Protobunkers Fernando C. Fuentes. Um, this is a potential click of the week uh, for me because there's basically a big battle between uh, a bunch of, well, it's, 
it is definitely a battle between a bunch of uh, planeswalkers, both uh, good and evil. So this is kind of like, uh, let's say, the end of Endgame in a, in a sense. The Avengers in the game because you have the big battle, but the battle is not really over. It kind of just starts and um, they kind of there's a lot of action going through this. And if you know anything about the Magic: The Gathering, uh, the 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 game, this is like obviously set in the world of it. And there are no cards used in the making of this book, so it's just pure action and pure Jed McKay doing uh, doing some delightful stuff, especially in this issue. Uh, last but not least is uh, pardon me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures number one I believe of three Um, but I don't have uh, confirmation of that I just saw three issues out there though or yeah two issues out there so there we go so if you are familiar with the the last time the Saturday morning adventures, which I guess is going to be a line now, I don't know if that's going to be the case or um, it's going to end with this. The last Saturday morning adventures book was the GI Joe one that we talked about some months back and, and it was good, pure fun. This one is similar because it is uh, based in the world of the 19, uh, 1980s cartoon uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and let's just say there are a lot of references and, uh, as a, um, well, I won't spoil, um, uh, someone's, uh, what someone's going to say about this book, uh, outside of this, but it is a pure fun. It is kind of pure nostalgia also in cases, if you're looking close enough, uh, and it is a treat just like the GI Joe one uh, was, um, this particular issue has to do with, um, um, let's say video games, particularly virtual reality and in and around that. And I won't go too much further than that, but so there is a lot of fun that they kind of take, uh, take liberty with, uh, in that, in that vein. And it seems to be a one shot story, but, um, I don't know if this is going to play into the next issue of the uh, thing because it seemed like it just kind of ends there as like just like um, an episode of the show would, unlike the GI Joe Saturday Morning Adventures did because it was pretty much one story it was told in three uh, issues. That could still hold out here, but I'm not entirely certain the the, the way this it ended uh, that that is the case. I would say if you enjoyed the turtles and that version of the turtles, I think you will enjoy this book. That being said, uh, that is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. So yeah, so I pretty much go, went ahead and I don't know if I can keep this uh, keep this up because Dirt's pick uh, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures number one. Um, he says that. See how uh, that worked out, folks. Yeah, no, it's just it's just lovely, nice. You love it when the plan comes together. Um, he basically just says too many smiles with uh, with that one, and I agree with him on that one because the references and everything was was just was just was just great. It's it's good fun and it's definitely reminiscent enough, with the exception of probably one thing I would take issue of, but it's pretty much reminiscent of that version of the totals uh, uh, turtles enough to be very enjoyable. 
In fact, I'm thinking, I'm still slightly thinking about it, but that's probably going to be my click of the week also. But we'll see in a second. You got yours, or? I am thinking. So I'll tell you where my thinking is right now. It's kind of in between Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Because I just liked, you know, like I really liked the way this issue left some things unanswered, as we said earlier, to, you know, to be followed up on in other uh, in other books and or stories, probably Thor related, mm-hmm. as well as um, just, you know, how, you know, where the characters kind of found themselves, you know, especially Jane Foster and Thor at the end of the at the end of the five issues. So I, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that part of the, the story. I actually also enjoyed Spider-Man number one, despite mm-hmm. my misgivings about um, Mark Bagley's art. Um you know, as Roddy Cap mentioned, Slot, you know, for all the crap that he takes from a lot of people, and we, we, I think, all both agree that he probably stayed on Amazing just a little too long. But he has a, a, a passion for the Peter Parker character. And this story is obviously something that has been hatched uh, from his crazy mind because it, you know, has to deal with all the Spider-Verse stuff. And I think what clinches what clinches Spider-Man number one for me is the Hyphen Man song. Yes, uh, and me for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is that your pick also? No, I'm like I said, I'm still like I said, I'm teetering kind of between those two. The the turtles was like I said, they're both fun books and they're both you know fun for their for their, albeit kind of similar reasons, <laughs> right? So, but you saying so? You saying Spider Edge's list of Spider Man is yours? No, yeah, it's no, Spider Man number one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I was about to say it's a much more complete book than Edge of the Spider Verse number five. So. Yeah, and as we know about those Edge of the Spider books, they they are pretty much intros to new characters and not necessarily stories per se or a complete story per se. Like you, there has been some story that's kind of blended in some of them, like. Or at least uh, the 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 main story that we're getting into now kind of blended in exactly some of the exactly and 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 anyone who has read the 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 previous versions of Edge of Spider Verse, you know, or Edge of Spider Geddon, any of those Edge books knows that a lot of these uh, anthology stories basically weave the characters that are introduced in these books into the greater story, in, into the greater narrative. Right. No pun intended. Yes, we <laughs> spiders, folks. Come on. Indeed. So yeah, um, like I said, this is a hard one because of the fact that like, oh, they are both good books. Like even Ant Man was a pretty good book to speak, but I'm, it's definitely a t- um, between those two. Um, but at this, I am going to go with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Saturday Morning Adventures. So. <laughs> Indeed, and you just. You might not know it, but you just made me think of Halo. So thank you for that one. Um, <laughs> every time I hear that sound effect, and with that, folks, because we didn't, I think not, of, I think of uh, uh, at Eclectic. Shout out to Eclectic, right? Because he uses that in his uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I get that as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to go on to the news section because we did not get a click from Tim. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, your personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. 
From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the, li- the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with cinematic news, as we do about this time. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen wants the Scarlet Witch to team up with the X-Men now that Hugh Jackman is bringing Wolverine to the MCU. Um, there's really not much to say about that, but I have to read this um, this uh, part of this article. So basically, um, it looks like... Um, so, so here's the thing. Scarlet Witch, uh, aka um, Elizabeth Olsen, oh, Olsen, was on some show for DirecTV at Variety's Power of Women uh, that happened, I believe, last week. And uh, she, as this article says, expressed shock over the revelation that Hugh Jackman is in the MCU. And there's a quote here that says, "Oh, really? Um, wow." And which reminds me of the Hamilton quote, that's uh, the soundbite that, um... Awesome! Wow! Right, it kind of sounded like that. So the way, um... The way this sounds when she say that, it, it kind of makes me think she already knew this that was the case well before this. But she goes on to say, I guess Wolverine is X-Men, uh, she said... And it would be cool to work with a lot of those people from the X-Men franchise. I guess Fassbender is my dad in some world. Which I was like, you know, if you had said Patrick Stewart, I, I would have given you way more props of that. I'm not saying yeah. Fassbender's version is not good, but you know, I'm just saying, come on. Oh, you mean Ian McKellen? Yes, Ian McKellen, excuse me. Uh, but I'm thinking about that version of the, the X-Men. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. No, I get it, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, but nevertheless, hey, you know, it is what it is. So... I don't know whether we ever see that kind of uh, whether you see that put together, whether we'll see um, uh, House of M. I kind of doubt it, you know, because that would be the the perfect part. Uh, that would be the just the, the perfect thing of that. But who's to say the future is out there next up? All right. So um, Marvel newcomer Dominique Thorne discussed the significance of Black Panther Wakanda forever being a vehicle for Riri Williams's live action debut. So, uh, you know, the actress thinks that Riri Williams will be right at home in the movie. And she says there couldn't be a safer runway for Riri to come into her genius and her superherodom than in the world of Wakanda, which is known as being a haven for black brilliance. The actor told Empire Magazine. Sounds like a good idea to me. I will also mention in passing that Thanks to a good and very just kind friend, I have now gotten my tickets for Wakanda Forever for next month. 
Mm. Well, we were getting to that, but yeah, since uh, that's a good, uh, that's that. I hadn't gotten mine yet, but that'll that that's coming. Next up, though, um, Black Panther two honors Anika's uh, Marvel comic book story with some updates. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it says here, the inclusion of Anika in Marvel's Black Panther Wakanda Forever will draw plenty of inspiration from the comic books while still keeping things fresh. Um, see, Ryan Coogler says that, well, excuse me, in a, in a recent feature for Empire Magazine, director Ryan Coogler spoke on how the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, blockbuster would draw from 2018's World of Wakanda comic penned by Roxanne Gay and Ta-Nehisi Coates and focused heavily on Anika. Um, quote, I think people who know the books will be pleasantly surprised on how faithful we are to them, Kukler said, uh, but also deviate from it in exciting ways as well. And Michaela Cole just fit right in with the group. It was like she's always there, and I'm excited to see her and uh, her version of Anika. I'm just going to say that as a fan of hers. Yeah. Uh, says here, the intimate sentiment is echoed by Winston Duke, who plays M'Baku. Um... And he spoke on the differences between the two films, saying that this narrative has evolved and it's changed, just like all of the characters and the circumstances of Wakanda itself. So for me in particular, I just had to let go of the expectations of this being anything like the first movie and allow this movie to be its own thing, which I'm pretty sure he said uh, out on the internet um, prior to this also. Next up. So... As I just mentioned, the uh, the tickets for Black Panther are now available for sale, for Wakanda Forever, that is, are now available for sale. In conjunction with that was the release of the second trailer, the second uh, like official trailer for the movie. And I don't have much to say about it because I chose not to watch it. Now we are a month away from the movie. I don't want to know anything more about this movie. I'm going to walk in as surprised as I can be. So walk in to be surprised as I can be. Right. So uh, I think Roddy Cat echoes my sentiments there. Yep. I did not. I did not watch the, the trailer, even though I kind of wanted to. But uh, and I haven't. Like I said, and like I said previously, I don't have my tickets yet. But I plan to um, soon. Hopefully, I'm trying to see if my wife's going to be off that day. But that's kind of a whatever. Even if not, I'll go again. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, speaking of the Black Panther, uh, there's going to be a Black Panther double feature uh, with the, the original Black Panther movie uh, returning to theaters uh, with Wakanda Forever. So uh, basically, uh, let's see, AMC theaters, and I think we already said the tickets out. If, we did, if what we were saying previously is not yeah, it's I literally not, just not said clear. It, yeah. yeah. Um, so AMC Theaters is hosting a one-night-only double feature fan event on Thursday, November 10th, uh, which technically th- that's the day that Wakanda Forever is going to come out, but not officially, making attendees uh, amongst the first to see Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, with a total... No, we don't need to go through all of that. da 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 So basically, fans who purchase uh, Black Panther tickets through AMC will receive an exclusive double-sided Made in Wakanda coin commemorating Black Panther and uh, Black Panther 2. And of course, you you know, you know can go uh, check all that out on AMC's website. Um, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I don't like the AMC theater here <laughs> near me because it's definitely not the one I normally go to. But I would right. almost pretty much go and go sit through that, except for the fact that I have the, movie, uh, the first movie here. So, Right. I was going to say, I'm like, if you were closer to a metropolitan area, you would have more of a choice. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we, we technically we got a couple of clothes. I would just have to travel for one of the other mm. ones. But yeah, the the two near me, the one I frequent is like right down the street, right down the street. Right. And very cozy. Uh, anywho, next up. Next up, Werewolf by Night introduces an important new world to the MCU. So it's essentially going to uh, introduce, uh, well, oh man, it's another one of those articles that gives an entirely long, drawn out title to Kevin freaking Feige. <laughs> uh, yes. Right? So the bottom line here is that uh, Kevin Feige stated that the upcoming Halloween Werewolf by Night special would be introducing a world that will ultimately become quite important to the future of the MCU. So it's basically a giant mashup love letter as described by director Michael uh, Giacchino to all the old movies he grew up on while Elsa Bloodstone actor Laura Dinelli called it something brand new that had previously not been seen in the MCU. So it's definitely fun, frightening. It's a fun and frightening spin on the supernatural. And that's the addition to the MCU that Werewolf by Night is going to bring. And I feel like that last Doctor Strange movie kind of uh, introed that. Just to take Yeah, it kind of broached the topic. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, damn it, Raimi. But I'm so, I don't know. Do you have any theories as to what this world could, could be? I or mean, even if you it know, is a werewolves. World? vampires, all that stuff. I mean, it's been tangentially touched upon, but yeah. now we're going to go full bore into it. Yeah. But I'm kind of wondering, giving um, a character that's going to show up with it, I wonder if they meant world as in, like, an actual place also. Possibly. Um, and if you're look, watching the video version, you and you know enough about the character that you that's in that uh, particular tweet, you may know what I'm talking about, or may not. We'll see. But we'll just kind of keep it at that. Next up, uh, One Division star Emma Carf, Carf, excuse me, Caulfield returning for Agatha Coven of Chaos. Uh, so yeah, folks know uh, Emma Caulfield from from playing Anna, Anya uh, in Buffy the Vampire Player. But I can't speak tonight. What's going on? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But uh, folks more recently know her from Dottie, Sarah, and WandaVision. Um, which I got to admit, it kind of took me a second to, to recognize her because she looks a little different from her Anya character in this. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, uh, this week, uh, oh yeah, this was the story that I, uh, story, or the part of the story that I saw. This week, Caulfield revealed that she has been diagnosed with MS. But the announcement was also accompanied by some good news when because she will be reprising her role in and uh, as Dottie in Agatha Coven of Chaos. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. The MS diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. Uh, quote, uh, truthfully, my attitude my, uh, is not crumbling under the fear of what if or what can or what has for other people. I just have to keep going, uh, Caulfield told Entertainment Weekly. So... Uh, I think she said something like, well, she wanted to give, uh, yeah, here we go. I was trying to think of a way that I could give you something, but I think uh, Marvel fans are just very smart and I think they're very, very thorough. So they are very detailed and they pay attention to absolutely everything. And, you know, the understanding from the get go, uh, uh, of this whole setup that nothing is exactly what it seems, you know, you know, talking, 
uh, take, taking that and inhabiting the space. I just think that's that. That's the only other, the, the only space you can be in when dealing with the show. And I'm just going to add here, Marvel snipers are about. So she probably... That's right. <laughs> that's Good. right. Watch out for the Marvel snipers. Ceasefire. I said ceasefire. They, sometimes they don't listen. They know they got the things in their ears. It's just, man, you know, crazy. Next up, though. All right. So Sony's new Spider-Man spinoff movie gets a director. And the movie I'm speaking about is El Muerto. And it officially taps Desierto filmmaker Jonas Cuaron to helm the Bad Bunny starring movie. And that's all I have to say about that. I, honestly, I would add who, but also okay. why. I'll, I'll throw that in, folks. I will throw that in. Who? Like, don't get me wrong. I do know who Bad Bunny is, but it's still the who and the why. Yep. For me. So, nevertheless. Yep. Next up, though. Um, Star Wars Andor's Diego Luna shoots down Rogue One ending uh, rumors. So... Just a short thing. I think there's been rumors that there might be an alternate ending to Rogue One floating to about somewhere. And I guess that might be people projecting their wants for it. I don't know what's the case. But apparently Diego Luna said, um, says, uh, so this is basically the reason why I was happy to play this role. Um, and uh, there's been a lot. I mean, I remember, PNC, remember people saying we shot different endings. And just to be clear, the day I was offered this this, this role, I knew this was it. Uh, it was one for film, and I knew what the end was going to be. And it's one of the things that excited me the, the most that Star Wars was going to do, was going to show what sacrifice means and was going to go for it. So basically, he just kind of put down the fact that, no, there was no other, other endings that people might be thinking. This right. is a clue, folks. <laughs> right. Although they do that, that, that does happen, but this seems to be the case here. But you know, but just to put it out back in that, maybe that he's lying because he's ass too. <gasps> anyway, moving right along. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, so next up, the Batman prequel series Gotham. I don't want to say it's finally streaming on HBO Max, but it is now streaming on HBO Max. I never watched this show. I did. I know people liked it. Yep, me. Roddy Cat's one of them. Yeah. But now it is now it, but it is now streaming on HBO Max together with all of the other DC and Batman related shows with uh, you know with other DC and Batman related shows. Right. For however long HBO Max is going to <laughs> exist. Oh no! Just stand there and you're sorry. <laughs> That's what I meant to hit. I mean, actually, that other one probably is kind of uh, applicable to <laughs> to something. Like, just stand there and take it. Um, but yeah, I like Gotham. Gotham was kind of batshit um, in, in parts. Like that first season uh, when when Jada Pickett Smith was on that was was pretty good, and then it kind of lacks a little bit. But then it really got kind of crazy. Oh, that's right. She was on that show. Mm-hmm. She was playing um, Fish Mooney, uh, which I believe. Yes, was, that's right. Yeah, which I believe was a new character, um, or or an adaptation of a couple of characters. Possibly, yes, but I still to this day I don't think I figured out which ones that that might have been. Um, but yeah, 
Well, I mean, I guess you kind of you kind of take a stab at that one, but anyway. Um, nevertheless, yeah, like I said, that show got kind of crazy, but that, that that was the 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 good part about it. So yeah, it's all on HBO Max now, so you can check it out. Next up, um, Supernatural's Misha Collins poses as Gotham Knights' future Two Face. Um, see, uh, Misha Collins has shared a new look of his version of uh, Gotham City's District Attorney Harvey Dent. Uh, the image shows the actor in character as Harvey Dent uh, pointing to the upcoming superhero drama series' logo emblem for the Gotham City Police Department. Which, now that I think about it, there was a Gotham City Year One book that came out this week that I almost um, checked out. And, and I, I did not. But anyway, uh, quote, this is my new place of employment, Collins wrote in that community text, which uh, was then reshared on Twitter. In Gotham, I'm finding that the criti- criminals are ruthless, but the tailored suits are actually quite nice. So I don't think there's another picture. Yeah, there we go. There's a picture of uh, Collins. If you're watching the video version, uh, pointing at the Gotham City logo, like I said. Next up. Yeah, this is a video game, right? Uh, well, there is a video game. Yes, this is a video game. This is a show based in the world of the video game. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I lose track of all that insanity, folks. I'm <laughs> yes. sorry. Yeah. All right. Next up, more insanity. Titans debut <sighs> season four's bloody villain, Meet Mother Mayhem. So HBO Max released the first look at Franca Potente as Mother Mayhem, who will appear as one of several villains in season four of DC's Titans. Ladies and gentlemen and good folks of the fandom of the Comic Book Chronicles, I have long ago jumped off the Titans. uh, Forget Bandwagon. I just jumped off that show completely. So, um, listen, if you're still on it, good for you. You know, I hope that they, uh, they, they, they land that that bird strong yes uh next up boop. Uh, the walking dead dead city reveals first look at Ma- uh, maggie and negan's uh, spinoff so there that, that train is still undying apparently um it says here, if the Walking Dead's Rick and Michonne series is an epic love story, quote-unquote, the uh, spinoff show partnering Maggie and Negan is an epic hate story. Um, see, the Walking Dead, Dead City, renamed from the Isle of the Dead, teams for enemies Maggie and Negan, who traveled together in a post-apocalyptic Manhattan long ago, long, yeah, long ago cut off from the mainland. Uh, quote unquote, the city is filled with the dead and the denizens who have made New York City their own world of anarchy, danger, beauty, and terror. Which probably can describe New York as it is current. I'm just I'm just kidding, Agent Seven. <laughs> Shots fired, yo. <laughs> AMC describes the Walkie Dead spinoff, which reveals uh its first look during the AMC Network Summit. Yeah, so if you're still watching uh, Walking Dead and I do know one or two people who are, good on More you, power guess. to you. Yeah, exactly. Next More up. power to you. That's it. All right, next mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Ah, where were we? I'm sorry. I scrolled down a little bit, folks. So Prime Video has announced that all 25 James Bond films will soon call the streaming service home. As detailed by The Hollywood Reporter, all 25 James Bond films, including the franchise's most recent installment, No Time to Die, 
will be available to stream on Prime Video in celebration of the James Bond franchise's 60th anniversary since Dr. No released on October 5th. So it should be available now. They are. And matter of fact, I have seen that um, myself in the last day or two. Yeah, I was about to say, I saw the... Um, uh, what was I watching on Prime? Uh, Rings of Power, probably. What's that? Rings of Power, probably. No, 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 no. I'm talking about within the last day oh, or two. Like, okay. I, I I turned it on for... I turned on Amazon Prime uh, to watch something. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll come to me in a second. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, I did see the uh, the ad saying, Oh, I know what. Okay. I was watching Thursday Night Football tonight. Oh, right. Sure. Okay. I turned it on. It was uh, Thursday Night Football is streaming on Amazon Prime nowadays. It is. And so, um, I'm like, wait a second. I literally just saw this, like, earlier today. <laughs> You know, like it had to be, you know, obviously within the last day or two. Right. You know, because today, you know, our date of recording is the 6th. So at the end of the day, um, interestingly, um, uh, Prime's recent acquisition follows Amazon's deal to purchase MGM, the studio, for $8.45 billion Mm -hmm. in May 2021. So, uh, well, I get to this at the at the end of this next article. So, I know the James Bond uh, films are dated and misogynistic in, in any number of terms you could use from, but I still I still love a lot of those movies for what they were for what they are. Right, that being spy movies and you know whatever you know, the rest of that still doesn't kind of hold up. But hey, right, it's hard to. Are, well, what I was going to say is it's hard to demand more of them. Right. You know, especially the older ones, right? Because they were they were done in a time and a place, and they, exactly. and they kind of kept that They're going. They're product of their time, exactly. So they're still good. For, I still consider them good for that. And I know Tim was uh, a, a James Bond fan, uh, so I'm, I was going to ask him if he probably he probably already knows they they're out there. He probably already has them in there, just like yeah, I, I was do. about to say. I I I, I fluctuate. I, I I definitely watch you know a good sh- a good number of them my fair share right but i don't i, I wouldn't say that i'm like the biggest fan hmm. i think the only ones i haven't seen actually now that i think about it were probably the last two maybe three. the most recent the most yeah. recent daniel craig okay yeah because i saw i know i saw the scene skyfall and i think that might have been the last one i think the ones that came after that um, i have not seen yet but now that they're other i can anyway next up um, the Rings of Power revealed Galadriel's skill and Mithril's origin. That this is a spoiler for two episodes ago, folks. So, mm-hmm. don't, so chill. Um, actually, well, it's, I guess the the last episode, not not this past one, but the, the episode five, I guess. But it kind of started in episode four, so let's just go ahead and say that. Um, well, I still won't necessarily go too far into this, but um, we alluded to. Um, we alluded to um, uh, um, and uh, a material that shows up in this book that is prominent in the world of uh, uh, fellowship uh, age, let's say, which is the third age. So we'll just keep uh, keep it like that. And it seems to be the point, like I said earlier, that this uh, the show is going to be running some part around uh, as a um, as an item of note. And um, want put it that way, so like that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but I wanted to say uh, uh, before we move on to the next one is that there is an article. If you are so inclined, in the clickbait section of the um, uh, of this of the show notes that speaks of um, 
what we just mentioned about um, Amazon and their gamble, as it says in the article, for Rings of Power and the plan for MGM's uh, integration. So, and uh, the Amazon Studios head is, is the one that was being interviewed for that. So you should probably check that out if you're interested in, in hearing what she has to say about uh, the, the plans for uh, Rings of Power and MGM. So next up. So, interestingly, it was announced that uh, season two of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, has already started filming. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Prime Video's showrunner, the, the, the showrunner from Prime Video, uh, Patrick McKay, promises that promises fans that it that this second season will be better than season one. It'll be bigger and better on every level by an order of magnitude. Okay. So it's already started filming in studios outside of London, which switches things up from season one's New Zealand location, which will likely lower the ridiculous production costs from season one. Mm-hmm. Which, again, that article that I just mentioned kind of goes into that. <clears throat> so next up, though, uh, Berserker writer teases script completion on Keanu Reeves' film. Um so I think we may have talked about the fact that Zucker uh, and that is, that is BRZ RKR um, and not uh, my love for you is like Berserker. But right. that is the Keanu Reeves uh, co-written book that uh, Agent 7 has been talking about for the past couple of months. Right. I have been following this book. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the screenwriter uh, Maddie Metson Tomlin says that basically the script's uh, complete. I'm going to actually take this next one if you don't mind. Uh, cause it sure. Is it, well, it, it, it wraps right in with your story. Yeah. So um, it says here that he uh, basically Tomlin uh, tweeted that the uh, tweeted the the script is finished and including the final page of the script which and features the classic cut to black the end he also added the image of the title page and uh, you can check out the tweet in the article to the show notes of which he does just that and following up on that apparently Keanu Reeves is considering directing uh, Berserker's comics movie adaptation um, he says that depending on how things go, there is a distinct possibility that he will end up directing Berserker, the upcoming live-action film, based on the comic book uh, that he's, as I said, co-writing. During an interview with Collider, Reeves discusses Netflix film adaptation, uh, the script for which is, as I said, just completed, and with a quote that says, I got it yesterday or two days ago. I haven't read it. I can't do a good Keanu Reeves, but just, just imagine, if you will, theater to mind, folks. Uh, the actor added that it's still a bit too early days to consider a director, though confessed that he's considering helming the film himself. In fact, according to Reeves, there's currently a 33% chance that he will direct the Berserker the movie. So, we'll And see. to that, all I say is... Whoa. Now, it, this article... <laughs> goes, yeah, no, right, that's perfect. Um, the article goes on to say that uh, the first and only date that film that uh, Keanu has directed was 2013's Man of Tai Chi which he was also in. He wasn't necessarily the star but he was definitely in it. I'll put it that way. It was good. I, I enjoyed that movie. I, I was actually kind of want to go back and watch that movie again. Um, so and then he goes on to talk about that movie a little bit uh, during the course of the thing. So so it's not like he hasn't directed a thing before. Put it, the, the, mm-hmm. Just to put a point to that. Next up. Alrighty, next up, 
Scott Snyder, Francesco Francovilla's new horror comic lands a feature film deal. So this is um, a comic book series called Night of the Ghoul, and it is headed for a cinematic treatment according to Deadline. So uh, 20th Century Studios acquired the screen rights to Night of the Ghoul. And uh, let's see here. Some people are attached to produce. Okay, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I'm sure we'll see it at some point, folks. Some ways. Uh, Star Trek's 10 original movies are no longer streaming anywhere, apparently. And I have, at the very least, confirmed that they weren't on Paramount Plus, which you would think would be the place they would be. Um, so, yeah, it says here, November 2021... Uh, well, it basically go back into the history of it and blah, 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 blah. The shows are still on, on Paramount Plus, by the way, just the movies for some story, with the exception of the newer, the, the Kelvin Timeline movies for some odd reason. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure why, and I don't believe, let's see, as it says here, as for the other films, chances are they will be streaming again somewhere in a month or two, perhaps even back on Paramount Plus. Uh, says here, according to this article, these coming and goings are related to the streaming deals that predate the current streaming wars, where most major studios have their own proprietary streaming platform. Excuse me, it's the same reason Marvel movies occasionally leave Disney Plus and show up on another service like Netflix. But again, Paramount Plus is Star Trek, which is a Paramount property. I mean, I still get it, but it's like that seems still kind of crazy to me. But that's, that's right. how that's how this kind thing of a works. natural fit that they're just foregoing, right? Right. So, but yeah, like I said, they'll probably be back at some point. But if not, I mean, I mean, well, I'm sure if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, and if I say Star Wars, which I'm apt to do sometimes, then uh, you know I meant Star Trek. Uh, but you probably already have either the DVDs or the Blu-ray, so I'm pretty sure you'll be good for for the time being until they get back to a, star, a streaming service. Or if you got them on Voodoo or something like that. Not an endorsement, just saying. Next up. Hi. <clears throat> Where's William Bruce West when I need him? <laughs> Original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers David Yost and Walter Emmanuel Jones confirmed that they will return to celebrate the series' 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary? Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. And the Super I Sentai mean, is way older, so you know. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, I'm dying again! Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. all I have to say. This is the orig- the first Blue Ranger in the American adaptation and the first Black Ranger. Mm-hmm. Those are the two actors I, I, I just spoke of. Correct. And it's good to see David Yost back because I know he's been away from the... the well, I think he's been here and there because of you know past things... Uh, you know, uh, with that that we won't necessarily go into, but it's good to see him back here uh, with the franchise in such now. So, and I know Walter Manuel Jones has kind of been out there for a minute, so it's, it's, but it's still good, you know, to see Zach out there <laughs> still mm-hmm. still repping the the, the the Rangers of old. Uh, rest in peace, uh, the Yellow Ranger Three Tran. Yep. Uh, Kingdom Hearts animated pilot might finally see. I feel like no. You know what? Yeah, spin up the anime corner. Oh, here we go. Oh, 
for the record, Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, in my opinion, does not warrant that. But nevertheless, we're just going to go into it anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's anime-like, but it's very much not. So, right. um, uh, apparently 20 years ago, Disney produced a pilot for a, thing, uh, a Kingdom Hearts animated series, but the project never saw release. Thank goodness. Uh, that could change in the near future, as executive producer Seth Kearsley has discussed the possibility of releasing the unfinished animatic online. Uh, Kearsley was in a near-fatal car accident earlier this year and says that Kingdom Hearts is, quote-unquote, is one of those projects I would have been bummed if no one ever saw it. Uh, Kearsley will be releasing a video about the pilot next week. Um which I guess might possibly be this week, considering this uh, article is a few days old. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think it's, that has happened yet. Uh, let's see. We'll see about dropping the pilot the week after. So I guess next week. The actual next week, as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the end of the tweet, he says that about that is that. So Kingdom Hearts fan, I guess be on the lookout like you tend to do anyway. Next up. All right. Shenmue, the animation Adult Swim's co-production Shenmue anime with Crunchyroll has been canceled. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Season 2 was reportedly already in the works before the cancellation and the news was shared Wednesday via Twitter. Uh, Wednesday, the last Wednesday via Twitter. Um by Jason DeMarco, the Senior Vice President of Action and Anime Programming for Warner Discovery. Oh, Warner Discovery strikes mm-hmm. again. Yep, yep. This is an an this was an anime adapting the cult classic Sega game which was first announced back in September 2020 and then aired in February this year. So season 1 has already been removed from Adult Swim. Wow. And other <laughs> yeah. streaming sites, but as of this writing will continue to be available on Crunchyroll. Okay. Yeah, and I watched some of that and it's I would dare say it's about as slow as the, the video game. <laughs> okay. okay. I know that. I know. I had a family member that tried to get me to play Shenmue because he loved the game. Mm-hmm. I believe one classic materia may enjoy those games. Also, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He's not, mouth, not here, but I do have. I remember seeing him uh, referring to them uh, on his Twitter. So, by the way, shout out to Classic for, for his uh, uh, pending nuptials. Yeah, uh, congratulations, uh, OJ Purple Stuff. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but next up, uh, the uh, high card. Oh, wait, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 you got it. Oh, okay. Uh, I got, the, the, got the Fruit Baskets one. Joy. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, I think I got some I news on that. Shenmue. Right, right, right. Uh, that bleach thing. I f- keep forgetting about that. It's going to be a thing. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second, I think. High Card Anime reveals more cast members, opening song artist. Um, and I just reminded myself that I totally did not watch uh, the last episode, the, the first, the last episode of Spy Vex uh, uh, Family. Oh, the new one from this yeah. past week? Yeah. Oh, no, I told, I'm on, uh, I'm ahead of Roddy Cat. <laughs> I just remember myself. One of the few myself. times, folks, one of the few times. I I always like to tease him on this. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I was think I was catching, trying to catch up on Rings of Power, so I was like, let me just go ahead and power, get through this before I, before I hit that. And I was like, even though I could have done it. Anyway, Katakawa revealed more cast members for the anime of the poker-themed high-card multimedia project on Friday. Um, 
The staff also previously announced the opening theme song artist. The new cast members include uh, some people I won't actually get into, uh, but basically there's, yeah, they, they talk of characters in this um, and their their roles in this and also the voice cast. So like I said, we're not going to go through all of that, but apparently this has to do with uh, gambling, card games. Which like that, mm-hmm. that, that is escaping me at this moment. Uh, Kakigure, I think, is, is the one. Sound like it's along those lines, which I still haven't seen yet. Nevertheless, moving right along. Next up. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm up to date. I, I did watch the latest episodes of uh, Spy X Family and uh, the new se- the beginning of the new season of My Hero Academia this past oh, yes. Saturday. Nice. And I think, is it, wait, is this coming weekend or, or, or early next Saturday. week when uh, Chainsaw Man uh, oh. starts? Uh, the tenth. So that's uh, Monday. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. I believe okay. it is the tenth. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. It's a Monday, but hey, it, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So is that, is it my story? Is yep. it my story now? Mm-hmm. All right. Fruits Basket prequel film finally lands a streaming deal. So Crunchyroll announces the prequel film to the anime series Fruits Basket. Fruits Basket Prelude will join its streaming library. On October 6th, 2022, which means as of the recording of this show today, it is now there. Mm-hmm. I mean... This would not be on Agent 70's list. Who? Like I said. <laughs> I know there are people who like Fruits Basket, because that's the reason why I put it in there. I can't say that I'm one of them, but in fact, I think I've only probably watched an episode or two. But, you know, there are okay. fans out there, so... um. Tiger and Bunny season two readies for part two with new Netflix trailer. I think I've only, this is another one I've only seen like one episode or two of, and it just so happened to be out there. But Tiger and Bunny two is returning for episodes fourteen through twenty five on October seventh, so that is tomorrow as of this of this uh, initial recording. And to celebrate, Netflix has dropped a new trailer teasing what's to come in the new episodes. Uh, as for what to expect in the second half of the second season, Netflix teases it as such. Quote, unquote, fighting for peace and their sponsors, the odd couple Wild Wild Tiger and Barnaby will continue to work as superheroes. But uh, with the number of superheroes increasing around the world, how will these two veterans fare? Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Yes, this is, I do know enough about Tiger and Bunny to know that there is some, there is a superhero thing, but it's kind of like the um, commoditizing of superheroes, I believe. Something along those lines. So, yeah. Might be some of something people alley. I'm sure there are fans. Next up. All right. Bandai Namco Filmworks announced at its Gundam Conference Autumn 2022 event uh, last Thursday hmm. that Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury, the first new Gundam television anime series in seven years, will air its second core a quarter of a year in April 2023. The second core will premiere in the same Sunday, 5 o'clock p.m. time slot on MBS and TBS, where its first core will premiere this or this past Sunday. So when it says TBS, is that TBS like Turner Broadcasting or is no, that a Japanese I, network? I believe that's a Japanese network. Um, oh, okay. I was yeah. about to say, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize TBS did it like that. Yeah, Tokyo Broadcasting. Broadcasting there system, it is. There it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, because I thought about that for a second when I first saw it. I was like, wait, no, it ain't not on Turner, but well, although Turner, to be fair, I think that's 
where I saw like Voltron in um, Battle of the Planets, or actually. Yeah, no. I mean, if you had access to it back in the day, I did. You know, uh, here in the city, we, it was uh, it was on syndication on a local TV station. Right. Um, actually, it wasn't Battle of the Planets. It was it was technically Gotcha Man, but I don't think it was Battle of the Planets from the Saturday morning version. We won't get into that because that's a whole long drawn out. Go check out the Toy Galaxy on on that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but next up, we are going to go into the manga section. Oh. Uh, new Mobile Suit Gundam Crossbone Gundam uh, manga from Yuichi uh, Hasegawa debuts in October. So, as detailed on Anime News Network, Hasegawa's new series will be serialized in Gundam Ace magazine and revolve around the titular Karis, who is an agent of the Jupiter Empire. Um, in the Crossbone Gundam universe, the Jupiter Empire is an uh, autocratic military regime and the main antagonist uh, group of the series. Guess what, folks? It's a Gundam series, so you know there's going to be some... Uh, so it's, it's, it sounds like it's pretty much one of those. Don't get me wrong. I love Gundam shows, so I'm, I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying. It's pretty much going to be <laughs> somebody fighting against some... Uh, either for and or against some military figures. There it is. Uh, but this is going to be launched on October 26th. So look out for that. Next up. The official Twitter account for the Bungo Stray Dogs franchise announced uh, this past Thursday that Kafka Asagiri and Sango Harukawa's Bungo Stray Dogs manga will go on hiatus due to, quote, circum- circum- certain circumstances, unquote. The manga will not have a chapter in the upcoming November issue of Kadokawa's Young Ace magazine on October 4th. Okay. Bunko Shaking Dogs is a good anime. I enjoyed the first part of that. I need to go back and finish it. Because um, it took a turn. And okay. Like, basically like a time jump or something. I don't remember what happened, but I was like, wait, what? 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 Where are the other people? But it was good, though. So, um, Next up... What is going on with these pages? Hypnosis Mike Division Rap Battle uh, Side DH and BAT Manga That's a mouthful uh, Launches new series So this year's uh, October issue of uh, Coden Shah's Shonen Magazine Edge Announced on September 15th A new manga in the Hypnosis Mike uh, Franchise And I already gave the title so I will not do it again uh, the manga will launch in the magazine's November issue, which will ship on October 17th. Hypnosis Mike Division Rap Battle is in, for lack of a better word, interesting anime. <laughs> it says okay. Rap Battle in the name, but it's kind of more like boy bands. And that's, okay. where, it, and that's where it gets kind of funny. Because there yeah, is some rapping. Less, I was about to say, I don't think Roddy Cat has ever watched 8 Mile, so it's less 8 Mile than, you know, uh, one of those reality battle uh, boy band shows, I guess. I've seen a little bit of 8 Mile, and yeah, you are correct. There it is. Um, like, there is some, yeah. It's basically, it's a world where they outlawed guns, and the only battles, as tends to happen in, in anime like this, are done over them on the mic. Mm. A la card games or whatever the case may be. So it's kind of amusing on that front because I've watched a couple of episodes, but like I said, it, it kind of goes more boy band than not. Um, JoJo, Attack on Titan. Anime. Oh, no, I was about to say, that's my story. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. I had it queued up. Go for it. Hit it. 
Anime, anime scriptwriter Yasuko Kobayashi and artist Saki Nonoyama launched a new manga titled Danzai Lock, uh, Six Wards of Punishment. Uh, other words, in other words, in Kodansha's Comic Days app on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, or two Tuesdays ago, actually, mm-hmm. Kobayashi is penning the story while Nonoyama is drawing the art. So uh, Kobayashi is the uh, an anime writer for both JoJo. Uh, Bizarre Adventure anime and Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. JoJo's. So yeah, I'm sure there will be people checking that out. Um, Fushigi Yuki prequel Byako Senki uh, to resume after four-year hiatus. Um, so yeah, you watch this is uh, Fushigi Yugi sequel by Kinsinger, like I said, will resume publications. Uh, da, 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 when, what date? Does it say here? Uh, it does not say here, but it's coming back, basically. Oh, fall 2023, uh, looks like. Um... And it looks like um, there will be uh, another chapter in uh, November of this year to celebrate the 30th anniversary of uh, Fushigi Yugi. I can pretty safely say that this is another anime that would not be on Agent 70's list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently they, uh, these, this prequel began serialization in Monthly Flowers in August 2017. Uh, but due to the writer's uh, manga cause health, uh, issues the series went on hiatus a year later in 2018 of the same month the announcement of this upcoming uh, return occurred during the 30th anniversary celebration of the namesake comic so there you go i feel like i've seen one of them but i haven't seen all of them but yeah that it, it's a it's something next up Splatoon manga resumes with Splatoon 3 game content so the manga <laughs> temporarily ended in the December issue of the magazine last November, where it teased that the manga will soon feature content related to Splatoon 3. Uh, so this is a video game? So Splatoon, Splatoon is, Shooter yeah. Series? Yeah, Splatoon 3 is a Nintendo uh, video game. Okay. Yeah. So, it's a good thing. I need to... I want, I want to get it. And apparently there's been a manga out for like a good minute, and this is just catching up to the current game, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um... Okay, what is going on with these tabs? Disney Twist. Yeah, Disney Twisted. Yeah, I was trying to get it to load back up again. Uh, Disney Twisted Wonderland, the comic. Um, wow, this is a long episode of Heartstable manga ends in the next chapter. So this is a Square Enix joint. Um, sees the October issue of Square Enix's monthly G Fantasy magazine revealed last Friday, or I guess a couple of Fridays ago, that... Um, Wakana Hazuki and uh, Sumer Kawana's Disney Twisted Wonderland, the comic episode of Hearts Liable uh, manga, will end with this next chapter in the magazine's next issue on October 18th of this year. The manga's third compiled the book volume revealed on 20, uh, July, 20, July 27th, excuse me, that the manga will end with its fourth volume this winter. And then it goes into when it started and all like a good mess. So, next up. Marvel Tales Anthology celebrates Avengers 2, Wonder Man, and Beast. So this is going to be an anthology reprint showcasing the epic bromance between Hank McCoy and Simon Williams that developed 
During their time as Avengers, Avengers 2, Wonder Man and Beast, Marvel Tales number 1 is an action-packed romp packed with iconic villains, heavy drama, and extraordinary feats. Okay. So, yeah, this, these are repeats from, I mean, reprints of the original 2000, year 2000 stories. Okay. Mm. In the year 2000. <laughs> nice. Um, We're old enough to remember that, folks. Yes, yes, we are. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually, because I, I, I enjoyed, especially when they were on the team together, uh, and that version of Beast, because I hate the one we got now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they turned him... It's like they took the uh, the Age of Apocalypse Beast, and they keep molding the current Beast closer and closer into that mold. Right. Is it? And that, wasn't that also where, like, the quote-unquote evil Beast or whatever came from? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're That's right. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, like yeah, they're, yeah. You know, they're they're adapting the the current beast, the the regular Marvel Universe beast, into that. You know, right. in, they're pushing him in that direction. Right. Uh, Marvel collects four first in new Marvel tales. Um, so for those who want to start reading comics from the beginning, Marvel is conf- uh, collecting four firsts in Origins of Marvel Comics, Marvel Tales number one. Uh, the issue includes Fantasy Four number one, X Men number one, and Avengers number one, all by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and Amazing Stories fifteen, the first appearance of Spider Man, by Lee and Steve Ditko. The one hundred and page collection, one hundred four, excuse me, page page collection will have a cover by Nick Bradshaw, with a Virgin variant also available, a variant by Peach Momoko, and a Cat variant by Chrissy Zulo. Uh, Origins of Marvel Comics, uh, Marvel Tales number one is rated all ages and it will go on sale December 14th of this year with a price of uh, MSRP of $7.99. So that's actually pretty good for for that. Um, and then, of course, they, it mentions the uh, aforementioned Wonder Man and Beast book. So next up. Oh, speaking of Age of Apocalypse, Marvel teases an Age of Apocalypse style universe Shaped by the X-Men's Mr. Sinister, a character who has received a lot of shine lately, mm-hmm. especially uh, in the wake of Hawks Pox and now going into moving into uh, the Axe Judgment Day story. So Marvel unveiled a new look at the Sins of Sinister, a new X-Men event launching in 2023. The artwork welcomes fans to an entire universe cursed by Mr. Sinister, oy. <laughs> while showing off several new takes on familiar characters. Oi. Yes, we're we're going through this again. It's it's the whole House of M, Age of Apocalypse, Age of whoever else we we mm-hmm. danced before. So, the sins of Sinister is dropping in January twenty twenty three. That's literally around the corner, folks. Mm-hmm. Just feels again. Remember a time when Marvel said they weren't doing any more, and I know it's line wide, but it still just feels similar to where they weren't going to just go back to back line wide uh, line wide uh, events. But we're still getting a lot of events. Like we're yep, pretty much yep, going from lots events of events. So it's crazy. All right, next up. Uh, there we go. I had to switch something over real quick. Marvel's newest symbiote is also its most disgusting. This is spoilers for last week's Damage Control number two. So yeah, apparently there's another symbiote about, and um, let's just say it has something to do with something that will be found in a bathroom, a, a public bathroom. And that's all I'll say about that because it's dumb and I'm and. I'm not sure how I feel about this, this uh, uh, damage control book. Because I don't like the main character at all. Next. Okay. October is <laughs> Mephisto month at Marvel. I mean, you know, there's no Marvel. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Maybe, maybe 
it'll maybe Mephisto will finally appear in Werewolf by Night. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, right. No. So, listen, can you imagine? Yeah. So, bottom line is, uh, at Marvel.com, they're going to, uh, it's basically, you know, in honor of it being October and the month of Halloween, they're going to make it 31 days of Mephisto. So, you know, they're going to basically highlight um, uh, bits and pieces of Mephisto's history every day in October on Marvel.com in, in an article posted on Marvel.com for Mephisto Month 2022. Mm-hmm. And in this article that, uh, matter of fact, yeah, this article that he's reading from is, I think, where they're, uh, where they're doing that because they've gotten up to uh, October 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, which is referencing Infinity Gauntlet, which I think we did in our Evergreen one. I can't remember. Did we do Infinity Gauntlet? I don't think so. Okay. I think we were just so familiar with it, we wanted to dive into other stuff. But didn't we do... Wait, we did one of them. I feel like we did. I had to go back and check. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mephisto. So, going back to what you said about uh, about uh, if they did... Uh, if they brought in Mephisto in World we did, War I was Night. about to say, we did Crisis. If yeah, no. of a Perez work. No, I was thinking, I was, I feel like we did, I know we did Annihilation. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, but that has nothing to do with, uh, I feel like we did one of the Infinity uh, sagas or something something attached to it. Regardless, it doesn't matter, that stuff back there, and I would have to check out a particular folder. Uh, But anyway, going back to what you said about the Mephisto thing, that would be kind of crazy. And also, I know people would be like, why is it here? Why wasn't it in any of the 5,000 other places that we thought Mephisto was going to come in at, like WandaVision? (laughs) Although it would be apt for it to come in uh, Werewolf by Night in a way. But yeah, I'm not holding I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be funny if it does. Uh, Next up, though. Uh, Marvel shows off shows off Daredevil's new costume, King Daredevil. Uh, it says uh, Chip and Marco Cicchetto's run on Daredevil continues, and the man without fear uh, has an all new mission these days: forging his supergroup, the Fist, and completely destroying the Hand once and for all. Which I guess that's what Agent Seventy was saying about the run in with uh, uh, him and uh, Punisher, right? Uh, working alongside uh, Elektra and a host of other characters, Matt Murdock, Murdock is preparing for the I mission to end. Oh. Oh, sorry. Psst. Mission to end all missions uh, for his time as Daredevil, and one might expect of Marvel Comics is rolling out an all new costume for him to mark the occasion. Uh, Chichetto took to social media to show off a new variant cover for an upcoming issue of Daredevil, which not only shows off the full new costume but give it. Uh, give it its name of King Daredevil. And if you're watching uh, the video version of this program, you can see the tweets of from Marco Cicchetto. And also, wow, this looks like uh, uh, um, Electra's uh, Daredevil suit. Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Next up. Next up, Winter Soldier is getting a new costume in Marvel's Captain America Cold War event. This is breaking news, although we had some inkling of it mm-hmm. uh, coming into New York Comic Con. As reported by our very own at TimDog98, the Captain America Cold War comic book event will see Winter Soldier adopt a new costume to go with a change in his status quo. The upcoming crossover Cold War 
between Captain America Sentinel of Liberty and Captain America Symbol of Truth arrives in 2023, tying together the major plot lines Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson have faced in their sister titles. The event, uh, I mean, uh, a panel was held uh, at a, a Marvel special event panel was held Thursday afternoon, you know, earlier today, the day of this recording at New York Comic Con where more details on the event were revealed and uh, covers for upcoming issues revealed winter soldiers, new costume designed by artist Carmen Carnero. Let's face it. It's definitely a little bit more of the MCUification of the character. Except for with, um, a, with a cloak and a man bun, which I don't think he had in the MCU. No, but you uh, know, it's coming. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if you're again, watching the video version, you can see the cover of the, the um, the the uh, the book the variant cover of the book, um, mm-hmm. so yeah okay. Edna said no capes. What is, what are you doing? What are you doing, Bucky? What are you doing? Anywho, um, yeah yeah cape cloak not much different. Anywho, life size Marvel uh, Black Panther's Lego bust dropped um, on September thirtieth. Uh, again, if you're watching the video version, you can see it in its full glory. Uh, if not, it's uh, basically the head of the Black Panther, T'Challa the Black Panther, with arms crossed, or a section of the arms crossed in the familiar um, Wakanda Forever pose. Uh, let's see. It is 76,200 and... Wait, no, I'm sorry. That's not right. 2,961 pieces. I was about to say, that's a freaking lot. <laughs> Um, and it is, let's see. Oh, it's called the Lego seven, uh, seven, six, two, one, five black Panther life size bust. It will be, it is available to order already. And the price, um, is 350 bucks for that set. More power to you. I'm a black Panther fan. Not that much of a Lego fan. I would not be putting this together. (laughs) I would like it, but no, that's a lot of money. Um, next up, though. Next up, so this is a compilation article where it lists where you can get Hasbro PulseCon 2022 exclusives. It's a complete list of where you can make order the the uh, the announced figures and 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 other things that were announced at Hasbro PulseCon 2022. So feel free to hit up our show notes and to scroll through this particular article and order what you like. Yeah, so uh, Agent 70 does a link right underneath that you might want to uh, pop open in relation to. What? The, the, oh, the link underneath. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, with the, with the uh, uh, whatchamacallit. I did see this. This was interesting. Uh, I'm, not so, I'm not a fan of the pricing on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the uh, cool reveals was that... Um, we get a proton cannon, Marvel Legends Iron Man. So it's pretty cool. It's definitely a, it harkens back to the uh, character's depiction in uh, Marvel superheroes and the subsequent Marvel versus Capcom games. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's also um, a Mephisto figure, according to this article. Right. Well, that's that. That was teased with the Haslab, the uh, Ghost okay. Rider Haslab. Okay. And you know what's funny? Do you have in here that they uh, they announced a, a lower threshold for they announced the new figure to go with that Haslab? No, I don't think I have that. Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. Oh, nice. 
So they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, because the, the you know the um, the early bird deadline passed. Although mm-hmm. the end of this month is the uh, my understanding, if I recall correctly, it's the end of October. It could be sooner than the end of October, but that's the deadline to fund the uh, the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider and the car. Um, well, the early bird deadline was not met, so there's no. Uh, human form of Robbie Ray as legends figure uh, going, they're not going to produce that. Rather, they're including a, an alternate head so that you can make a Robbie Reyes out of um, the figure. But now they've made it so that the threshold is, uh, you know, to fund the project, it's 9,000. To get Madeline Pryor's only 10,000, and to get Mephisto's 12,000. So they're really trying to drum up business. For this particular HasLab, right. Uh, but also, so, sorry, was... sorry for the tangent, folks. No, no, no. This is good because actually that kind of falls in line with this with, with this article. Um, but um, also, there was a retro a Kenner collection uh, that I think um, uh, Agent Seven just alluded to that has a bunch of um, retro figures from the the mutant category. That that being '90s looking X Men. Um, Excuse me, uh, like Spiral, Longshot, Strife, you know, uh, there's a Star-Lord figure, the, 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 the first uh, Star-Lord, or the first version of Star-Lord, I should say, right? Uh, in this uh, stuff. And I was been thrumming through uh, Dark Phoenix, XYZ, you know, there's stuff like that uh, that's in here, uh, along with the other stuff from that uh, the first article. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Check it out I mean, for myself, video. yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to say for myself, I'm glad that you mentioned it. I was going to just gloss over it because there's just so much to talk about in this article. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to look into getting the spiral and the long shot. Those are good. probably the most appealing of all of the figures that were announced. Yeah, yeah, that spiral was looking good. I was thinking about that one myself. Mm-hmm. Not a mojo though. I don't think we have a mojo. Or oh, is there a mojo out already? But not probably not in there. No, it's out now. There's it an exclusive out? mojo okay. that came out that was announced with um. I think it was a San Diego uh, exclusive. Okay. With. Uh, or, or, or no, it, it was like a, a, a Walmart. I forget. There was, it was an exclusive that it was a package with um, Longshot and Dazzler. But now you can get Longshot on his own and you can get Mojo on his own. And I think the Mojo is available right now. Right. Uh, but also briefly in this in this uh, Hasbro Pulse article, there was, um, which I forgot to tell Age of Seven this because we're just getting to this now. But uh, there was some Transformer stuff. There was some Power Ranger stuff. You get the Astro, uh, Astro Megazoid. There was some Dungeons and Dragons, a.k.a. the 80s cartoon versions of uh, some stuff. Um, like I said, and Transformers, two of which I ended up ordering. <laughs> nice. Because there was a Shattered... Uh, shattered um, Shattered Glass version of Sound bla- uh, Soundwave, which you know I love my Soundwave, and then I think there was a Sound Blaster, um, which I ended up buying, and uh, uh, um, amongst a few others, which I won't go into, and some GI Joe stuff, of course. So, and apparently some Indiana Jones stuff, and of course Star Wars. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was um, that was announced during during uh, PulseCon. So, but mm-hmm. you can go check that stuff out yourself. Next, speaking up, though, of, you got the next article. Yeah, Omega also Spawn- PulseCon stuff. Yeah, um, Omega Spawn. Wait, hold on. Oh no, I, I thought. Oh, you covered the Power Ranger stuff. 
Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Hold on. That's why I was like, I knew that I had that one next. Hold on a second. Yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, you skipped over it because I had no. Omega Spawn open. I think up, I might have so. I uh, tapped out of that one by mistake. But yeah, Hasbro PulseCon 2022 Power Rangers panel offers surprises. Uh, and I believe this was the same. Um, this was might have been the same uh, uh, appearance that uh, that we mentioned about the third anniversary that 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 might have possibly come out that announcement might have come out here. But nevertheless, making the surprise entrance on the live stream was Walter Emmanuel Jones, aka Zach, the original Black Ranger, and David Yost, the original Blue Ranger, on the set of the 30th anniversary special. Like I said, um, uh, it also mentions uh, recipes to be drained, just like I said earlier. But it looks like uh, Hasbro is going to do it, uh, do the can about uh, whatever the, the, they, were, oh, they were talking about, getting the whole the gang back together. To which one of them's in some legal trouble. So I don't know if that they're going to get the whole gang back together if that's still, if that's still ongoing. Anyway, um, it says here that there's a Zoid Ascension project would be the Asteroid Megazord, which I mentioned in the last article. Uh, let's see. There was, oh yes, there was some Street Fighter um, crossover figures, um, uh, with the Power Rangers that were announced, and um, some stuff dealing with newer versions of Rangers and and um, yeah, that's that. So that was the whole Power Rangers uh, section of of that. Next up. Omega Spawn. Now we can talk about Omega Spawn. Becomes a massive McFarlane Toys mega figure. So it's one of the strongest Hell Spawns to ever exist. And it's scheduled for release next month in November. Omega Spawn has 22 points of articulation and it's just this big chunk of plastic. Yes, indeed. Um, Let's see. Pink. Next up, though, speaking of going back to the Hasbro Plus, the Pulse stuff, Magic the Gathering tra- uh, announces Transformers crossover, which <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I was mixed feelings about this. I'm still going to get them probably, but, um, and I'll tell you about the mixed feelings in a second. You probably already know if you, if you know anything about this, but Magic, so yes, so Magic the Gathering will have a set of Transformers card based on the upcoming Brothers War set. They announced there was a whole nother, um, they're also doing a bunch of, uh, a whole line of, um, like classic cards that they are, um, uh, redoing, but we're not going to talk about those. So there's going to be 15 Magic the Gathering cards that feature various Transformers. The cards will be double-sided, allowing the robots to switch back and forth to their robot and vehicle forms, um, you know, like Transformers do. And, of course, will be included in the Brothers War set and collector boosters, as well as various uh, Brothers War bundles. The cards will also receive two treatments, a normal frame and a shattered glass frame that user that uses card art from the Transformers Shattered Glass universe in which the Autobots and Decepticons roles are switched. Um, there was a second version of the second miniseries of that that came out last week we didn't get to talk about, talk about but, you know, uh, later we'll, we'll get to that. Notably, the cards do not use the Transform mechanic from Magic the Gathering due to legal and trademarking reasons. However, the cards will feature two new mechanics, more than meets the eye, and uh, living metal. I won't go into what they do, but you know it is. Now, here's where I have mixed feelings about this. I, I'm I love Magic the Gathering. I'm not great at it, but nevertheless, love me some Transformers. Y'all know this if y'all spend any time around this article. I mean, all around this uh, show. Y'all right. would also remember me talking about the fact that Wizards of the Coast did a Transformers trading card game that only lasted two years. 
also had the double sided uh, cards and such. I still have a bunch of them. I didn't get the last set. And I was kind of upset about that. And this is where I have the problem with that because, like, man, they could have kept that going because it was a really good game, I thought. But apparently, according to them, they, it didn't sell well. But yet, they're still holding on to other things that are not sell well. Now, cut to the fact that they're doing this collaboration. Uh, well, it's not even a collaboration because they own, it's Hasbro owns both properties. So, you know, it is what it is. This, I am kind of, was kind of bummed out about it because of the fact that, like, man, that Transformers card game they're pretty much doing some of the same thing they're doing they're for the transforms card game in magic the gathering now with this which i don't think this is this is not a standard set by the way but um i'm almost fairly certain about that um yeah see the new cards will be a part of the universe's beyond imprint an ongoing line of magic together cards featuring characters and worlds outside of normal magic together mythology you think of the um the dungeons and dragons um uh, you know, animated cards that uh, that came out and other other stuff. Apparently, there's mm-hmm. a 1,040K Commander deck and some Fortnite stuff coming out and yabbity, yabbity, yabbity. Um, but yeah, like I said, I will probably be getting these cards and I'll probably be bummed out about it because of, the, was, because of what happened to the Transformers uh, trading card game that they also had. And I'm pretty sure they're probably reusing some art from there. But it doesn't look like it from these cards, but it is what it is. Next up... Magic the Gathering reveals a multitude of new cards for the Brothers War. So it's a they revealed over a dozen new and returning cards from the upcoming set, The Brothers War, including a brand new Planeswalker. Uh who? Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. And you know, as I said, we we'll, we'll get into that, but basically a planeswalker is just a is a kind of a commander card, or it can be used as a commander card, but they're oh. a special card. So never mind. All right. The Brothers War will hit store shelves on November eighteenth, twenty twenty two. Yeah. Okay. Um Cryptozoic plans DC deck building game Rivals. So Cryptozoic Entertainment will release uh, The Flash versus Reverse Flash, which is a standalone game that is compatible with the other uh, DC deck building games. Um, let's see. Players take the role of one to two flashes, and with three unique character cards, they recruit unique speedsters and rogues with the goal of defeating your rival three times. Each game uh, includes 99 standard cards, eight oversized character cards, rule book, multiverse divider, and a first printing promo card of uh, Central City PD. The game introduces speedster cards and weakness cards, and it will retail for $24.99, and you can play in about 30 minutes with two to four players. Next up. All righty, just give me a second. I unfortunately closed my sheet, so I have to reload it, and it takes a little bit of time. You want to take the next one? And I'll oh, yeah, catch I'll up. Say I'll take this because this is what, I think this is something you talked about anyway already. Batman's newest enemy was built to kill Superman. Um, oh, yep. Yeah. So um, I, I guess this is from Batman 128 or maybe from, from the last Batman book. But um, anyway, it's basically it says that that failsafe, um, failsafe has uh, deadly capabilities. And yeah, so this is from Batman 128. Uh, yep. So since Agent 70 kind of already talked about that, we don't necessarily need to go too much further than what I've just said. Yep, Next pretty up. much. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. I could take this. We have a lot to... of data in our sheet, folks. It's not That's much right. more. It's, it's not much load. more left. It takes a while to load. Do you want me to take this right. one? Uh, let's see here. Where am I? Action Comics. 
Yeah, hold on. It's taking its sweet time loading. And now I scroll too far. <laughs> Don't you love it, folks? Live podcasting. Okay, uh, Superman Action Comics just changed the DC Universe's solar system. Really? Really? Did they get rid of uh, uh, Uranus or Neptune? <laughs> no, it's probably much worse. Gosh. All right, I'm opening it up now. Superman's latest journey has altered the Milky Way galaxy as it appears in the DC Universe with a massive new satellite orbiting Earth. This is spoilers for Action Comics number 1047 on sale now from DC Comics. Is that this week? I think so. All right, spoiler alert for Action Comics this week. So apparently, um, Superman has brought War World to the Milky Way galaxy where it now orbits the Earth. Really? Kal-El? Like, that's not going to mess with the tides right. and all that other stuff? Well, actually, Seriously? probably not, because, you know, it's War World. War World. They, they, I'm sure they've there's some comic gen- generation for, for why that won't happen. I guess. But now, I guess you could say that the Earth has two moons. <laughs> it's Tatooine. Yeah. So, I don't know. But for how long, we don't know. Maybe it'll blow yeah, up or something. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, next up, uh, DC reveals why Batman constantly sneaks up on com- Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. And this is spoilers from Batman The Audio Adventures number one, which is on sale from DC Comics. I think that came out last week. So basically, Batman The Audio Adventures, uh, if, if the name itself didn't say anything to you, it's basically um, a comic book version of the, 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 um, the podcast, or aka teleplay, uh, that uh, DC's been putting out. And that I think is on HBO Max, but this is a new tie-in comic uh, to that said audio drama, which was recently renewed for a second season, and it reveals that there's a certain logic to Batman's decision to rely on jump scares because he's a dick. Maybe I don't know. Uh, Batman tells Gordon in the issue, uh, "It's the principle of the Panopticon. You know, I can't always be watching, but you're never certain that I'm not." So he basically is saying, <laughs> he basically is saying like. Uh, yeah, you need to you need to stay ready. <laughs> if you okay. don't, you don't expect it. You should expect it. So that's kind of a tick move. Anyway, next up. All right, so this is a spoiler for the upcoming uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number five. So this is part of a preview, and it turns out that Black Adam is saved by some characters who aren't not exactly high up on Black Adam's list. So the he owes his life to four do-gooders who rescue him. And I'm not going to say much more than that. I know that Roddy Cat has not been keeping up with this at all. I've tried to keep up with this. It's a bunch of gibber, gibberish. <laughs> Jibber-jabber gibberish yes. to me, you know. But what are you going to do? It's a crisis. Yeah. that You know what? That pretty much sums it up. It's a crisis. Yeah. It's a um, crisis. And also, let's face it, it's Black Adam. He thinks less about pretty much everybody that's not him. So it's not like <laughs> this is yeah. that big of a big revelation. That, granted, the people themselves, which I didn't know one of these characters was still in the universe. So I guess that's good. Um, but yeah, sure. Uh, Superman and Nightwing just held a first ever super seance. And this is also a Dark Crisis tie-in. Uh, and guess what? We're going to say the name that Agent 7 and I both love. Pariah. Oh, why? <laughs> so apparently, why? In Dark- hold on. Ooh, I'm dying. <laughs> Again, you would have to go back to uh, when we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths 
as to how we feel about that character. Um, that's yeah, it's funny. But you can infer from what we just said. Anyway, uh, apparently in Dark Crisis, uh, Pariah has fallen under the influence of the Great Darkness, yada, yada, yada. And apparently to figure out, uh, Dr. Fate reveals that something has been has corrupted the Great Darkness somehow. But to figure it out, uh, the heroes hold a quote-unquote super seance, a name coined by Constantine, and to, to try to understand their foe. foe. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see uh, 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 a panel where uh, Nightwing, Superman, a.k.a. John Kent, and uh, Swamp Thing are, have their hands out in a seance. Like you make my heart sing. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, there's that. Next up. Scott Snyder and Jock's Book of Evil debuts a disturbingly horrific trailer. So this is the book of from the Book of Evil. This is Snyder and Jock's latest collaboration, and it features a dark look at an America where over 90% of the population are psychopaths. I'm like, is that a conservatively low number for reality? I was about to say, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just saying. Just saying. So it's a new horror series. Okay. Yeah. Seems ripped from the headline, even though I haven't even read it yet. Nevertheless, yeah, if you are... Yeah, you didn't say it, but it's uh, it's going to hit uh, Comicsology next month. So you know, oh, okay, or I guess this month probably. So, but yeah, just in time for the the Hollows of Eve. Oh no, wait, actually, I'm sorry. No, it's out now. Oh, look at that. Yeah, uh, um, it's on sale this week, and it's free to read for Comicsology Unlimited subscribers. Which I have it. Agent 70 doesn't. Not an endorsement, just a tool saying. Oh. Next up, though, uh, NYCC addresses accusations of hacked reservations amid server issues. And this was from a, from a few days ago. Um, so, let's see. On uh, September 27th, the New York Comic Con official Twitter account posted a statement after the event's servers crashed the day prior uh, due to overwhelming fan demand quote-unquote, hey, NYCC fans, we wanted to give you a quick update that the team is working on resolving yesterday's issues to get uh, res- reservations back up and running successfully. Uh, they, well, at this point, they've already had it fixed, but I guess this was the statement that they had at the time for uh, that. Um, yep. So, I don't know, did you have any issue getting, getting, or yep. just, yeah. You know? Yep, I sat online for a little while, you know, the, the first time around. Mm-hmm. And the second time around, I did not get into the queue early enough to get a McFarlane signature, mm. which sucked. But, um, you know, but, the you know, I, I'm not one of those pop uh, figure uh, buyers. So, you know, I was I really just wanted to get the McFarlane signature. I didn't I didn't get in. So hopefully I'm still going to have the one thing I want him to sign with me. Maybe I'll get lucky like I did one year. There it is. And and uh, find him like literally walking in between uh, 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 parts of the show floor. I literally like walked up to him and like, "Hey, can you sign this?" So, right? Yeah, I feel like uh, going to Heroes Con. I think I've caught a couple of creators like that. <laughs> I didn't want to bother him, but I was like, I could just like, "Hey, you could," you know, but I didn't do it because I'm chicken. No, I mean, someone else was talking to him. I was like, "Excuse me, I have one thing for you to sign, if you don't mind," you know. Right. That's what I'm saying. You're better than me because I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's what I'm still saying. Yeah. Um, like, I, I wouldn't want to go up to someone like that with a stack. Right. You know, 
if I have one or two or even three things, that's fine. But anything more than that is a bit much. Sure. All right. Uh, we're coming down to the wire, folks. Uh, Archie Comics introduces two new spooky characters to Riverdale. And apparently this is a preview for Archie's Halloween Spectacular number one. Um, which with the original names of Trick and Treat. Uh, and uh, let's see. There's a lead story. And then, of course, uh, yeah, I think you can infer what 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 what's the deal with with these characters. This uh, is a Halloween one shot, so of course, just in time for the season, uh, and it's two ninety nine, and it's actually out now uh, as of this recording. So there you go, have at it. Next up, last but not least, the Adventures of Cayman, or is it Common Rider? Common. The Adventures of Common Rider Zero One are slated to continue in Titan Comics' upcoming series, which uh, introduces a new villain named Ragnarok. So, in an exclusive preview to CBR, Common uh, uh, Rider Zero One is a brand new Titan Comics limited series from writer Brandon Easton and artist Hendry Presetia. Uh, the four-issue series is set to continue the adventures of the 2019-2020 live-action series of the same name which was the first of the Rewa era of the franchise. I'm looking for a release date. This this week. November 23rd, 2022. Oh, no, okay. I thought that was On sale week. November 23rd, 2022. There was something coming out this week that I wanted to check out, but we didn't get a copy of it because I don't think we get books from that. We definitely don't get... Well, we do get, we can get books from Titan, but we don't. Yeah, we can get Titan if we, we, don't, if we no, ask we, for it. So. Right. We don't get them easily. So I don't know. I'll see if I can, see if I can check this out. Not the biggest common writer fan, but I, but I in, enjoyed the, uh, this entire stuff. So, uh, anyway, that's it folks. Uh, we are done with the news and we are done with the show. We, one last ad read, please. You know, it's late and we are tired. You know, what's coming. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. So you have to go to cspn.us first and click on the Amazon link from our Keep Our Podcast Free link. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends, or Funko Pops. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks. That is it for us uh, for this week's show. It was a, you know what? New York Comic Con is upon us. We will have definitely have no more news for the sh- from the show next week because I've sure I'll be able to share things. my experiences and maybe uh, at Matt Wang ninety seven will want to come on as well. So we yes. will see. We'll compare notes before next week. I feel bad. We gotta have 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 to have him on when there's not a con. <laughs> Because <laughs> it seems like we always have him gone when there's a con, or the, you know. But you know. Well, he, the thing is, he has different experiences at right. cons than I do, right? Because he has some insider information and inside track on, you know, doing things. Like he's worked at cons, you know, like as a as 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 part of an exhibit team. So he has a much different take on the con experience. Shout out to X to the Z. 
There it is. Yeah. So with that, folks, uh, I am. I have been Roddy Cats. You can find me at Roddy Cats on Twitter. You can find me at News and Need on Twitter. You can find me at TB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network dot com is on umbrella site therein. And Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. Uh, also uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K E L I Q N A T I O N, all one word on Twitter. Also uh, theclicknation.com. Uh, and of course, uh, he, Tim is over at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find us on this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. And we thank the folks for who are either lurking and or are in the audience watching us. Uh, yeah, like I said, we'll be back. More NYCC, more She-Hulk, more Andor, more Rings of Power, more House of the Dragon. It's all going to be a fest, folks. Uh, with that, this has been uh, the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together. And... And uh, rest in peace, Judy Tenuta. So Yeah.